when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, Internet. We ready to talk about Death Stranding? You are listening to Waypoint Radio. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and today we're going to discuss and despoil Hideo Kojima's hiking and portage simulator. Nothing is off limits except discourtesy, so if you're still trying to remain unspoiled on this game, you probably want to skip this episode and go straight to the part where you rate us five stars on your podcast platform of choice, because it's no spoiler that we're fantastic. Joining me today is Kotaku's Heather Alexandra. Hi there. Heather wrote my favorite review of Death Stranding. Oh, that's very flattering. I do okay every now and then. Well, also, like, I'm going to be vain here. I'm also going to say, ah, Heather opened the same way I did. Great minds. Truly, I think We both is, love zip lines. We, ah, oh, the zip line network. That's the, that's the real game. I think a couple of people that I've uh, hear, or, like, heard talk about this game have had experience where they were like, built a fantastic zipline network. Over the same part of the mountains. Of course, because it's, like, so, it's so clearly a place where that is the best thing that you can build. Yeah, and go, you can go, tell yourself it'll save you time. Yeah, what are you going to do? Build a bunch of ladders in the snow? Or do you some <laughs> sort of freak? Build a road? Yeah, man. No, that's not happening. No, we don't need roads where we're going. Yeah, just ziplines. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we have Kato watching the signal. And Kato... Uh, feel free to just dive in with with any questions if this gets a little bit obscure, but I don't think it will, because as we were discussing a moment ago, Death Stranding, for all that it had this reputation for being the weird, crazy game over years of like obscure trailers, I was really surprised when I started playing it by how straightforward it was in a lot of ways, and I'm curious how that landed for you. I don't think this is a very complicated game. Um, I think a lot of the reputation for weirdness comes from the from two things, really. First, it's just having things out of context. This is, if anything else, a pretty visually lush game, which sounds pretentious as, oh, it's so lush. But what I mean is this is definitely a game where Kojima, who in Metal Gear Solid Five had no clue what he was doing with a camera, actually <laughs> realized that he could set up shots and have things that looked interesting and evocative. And that became most of the marketing stuff. But outside of context, people were like, why is why is Mads Mikkelsen showing up and why does he have tar on his face? And it's like, I don't know. And he just does. And then there's there's that reputation of anything of, we oh, we have a new work from an auteur creator, a deep uh, genius mind who who's who's you can't even begin to comprehend where his brain is going. His brain is death stranding. Like, and, and, and the answer is, no, this is actually a pretty straightforward plot. The mechanics are really understandable. And in a lot of ways, these are not themes or plot points that we haven't seen in other media, whether that's film or anime or anything else. 
I think it does definitely – it put me a little bit off balance though at the start because even though everything makes perfect sense, it makes perfect sense in the way that like a screwball comedy, if you lay out the plot, everything flows naturally. But the premise, the things that happen and the people you meet are still absurd and strange characters compared to what you expect from everyday life. And I think – this game definitely put me a little bit off balance by throwing a few things at me at the start. Uh, we talked a little bit on our initial podcast. I think it has a, a very strong opening uh, as you were plunged straight into the corpse disposal. Uh, Sam, you have to uh, burn the body of the president of the United States. Well, no, but even before that happens, right? Oh, it's that's the void right. Out. Yeah. yeah, the void out. Right. So it opens on this really panic, like we got to get this. You know, there was a suicide. We've got to get this person. It wasn't found for days. We've got to get them to the incinerator. And it's very much this wages of fear type, uh, you know, run to to beat the clock on whatever the hell's going to happen. And I think the game does, like, in that opening sequence, it really won me over with its art design, uh, with sort of the, just the way machines move and the way they're conceived in this game. Like, they're weird and they're baroque and silly, but I kind of love them and all their weird articulation. Um, but then after that, you're it is revealed you get back to base after this 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 corpse disposal thing goes wrong, you have your first void out. Um and that's been creepy enough, but then you are basically taken to this hospital where they've set up a mock West, a mock Oval Office set. Why wouldn't you? I could not stop thinking about that. Um, that SNL that Al Gore was on, like years later, where he went to the West Wing set and started daydreaming about like if he'd won the election. Oh yeah, because uh, it's so weird. They set up the president, your mother, which they they disclose that fact very lightly. They're like, Sam, it's your mother. You know, the president. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also weird because you haven't seen any American flags, but you've seen these giant uh, garage arcs uh, with, the, with the Bridges logo on them and the spider web coming Tiny out. little bit of brutalism going on there. Yeah, but you have to go see your mother, the president. The president. President Bridget Strand. And you are told this Bridget. by Die Hardman. Yeah, he's great. So I'm going to tell you right now. So I didn't tell you. Yeah. We were walking and I was like, I'm talking about Death Stranding. And we're like, save it for the podcast. And uh, his name is Die Hardman. And for a while, he's like, oh, it's because I went out on missions and I didn't die. I got saved. It was hard to die. I'm Die Hardman. Do you want to know what his his full, (laughs) real, actual name is? Yeah. John McClane. Shut up. Yeah. (laughs) So he he is not just a man who is, is very hard for him to die. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, he's diehard man. Fuck. <laughs> I'm not happy. Just want to let you know, because in the game they just in flashbacks or whatever they're like, he's like, oh, I was John and I was friends with Cliff and blah blah blah. Oh my god, and I never his, put his name together. His full name is John McClane. Oh my uh... lord. So, so diehardman <laughs> is wearing this inexplicable death mask at the start, and everyone. And this is the other thing. Everyone's just like, yeah, this is normal. Yeah, of course. Hey, it's the president's chief of staff, Die Hardman. In a advanced materials death mask, uh, it's great that he's wearing. It is. It, it it looks like a really good like ceramic plastic. Yeah, I could punch thing. that and break my hand. Yeah, it looks it <laughs> looks great. 
And then so you have to go see the, the, the president, Bridget Strand, and immediately like there this is such a weird game because it feels like the president should be an important position, but it, this very, the whole scene very much just plays out as you have to make things right with your mom yeah. before she passes. And the scene goes nightmarishly wrong. Oh, she's fallen out of bed and all sorts of stuff, all sorts of things. Uh, it, it's this mixture of this personal stakes thing. And then right after that, there's like a large lore dump. It's kind of these two extremes. Death Stranding kind of works between two areas where it's either a very personal moment between characters or, hey, let's drop a lot of lore on you. Um, I, I, there's not as much middle ground. But this scene has a vast range of different places that it goes. Yeah, it's – um, I think the thing that the, – the two things that stuck with me from the scene that were sort of in the back of my mind throughout the game is, one, the moment where – because she's asking Sam to basically take over this this quest that they've been on to reunify America via the chiral network. And Sam clearly doesn't want to do it. And – she basically lunges out of bed and like just starts ripping off the like pulling the tubes off. Yeah, uh, she she pulls a little, you know, that scene in Lord of the Rings where Bilbo's like, ah, oh, here's your mithril. And then he's yeah. like, I wanted that ring. And then he's like, ah, it's like that, except it's your mom falling out of a hospital bed and telling you to make America whole again. Yeah. And just keeps crawling towards Sam and pins him against the wall. Yeah, kind of ties in with some of the corpse imagery in the in the game right at the start. Yeah. And then I think the other thing that stuck with me though was there was this notion that Sam had to be the one to do this because there was a sibling in the picture like like if Sam's the son or adopted son of the president um then his then, sister are you trying to remember the name uh, Alex uh, right uh, Amelie Amelie there you go um got Amelie Strand uh <laughs> Anyway, uh, his sister's out there somewhere trying to fulfill this mission, but she can't be the one to complete it. Yeah, she went ahead first to the West Coast as part of Bridges One, the team that was going to get it all done, and then they didn't. Right. And so from the first, it's like, so we're just going to repeat that plan. It failed, but this time it'll succeed because yeah. RIP to Amelie, but Sam's different. <laughs> um, but I think the other thing that, to me, it seemed like there was this real, like, tense subtext of maybe Sam, like at the time it, it seemed like Sam was trusted in a way that Amelie was not that like for whatever reason, Sam is very much the prodigal son who, who's wandered off, but is the one that has to see this through. And for whatever reason, Amelie wasn't like, it was her quest, but like she wasn't really the one that Bridget was going to be looking to, to, to see this home in retrospect. That's good. Yeah. Uh, given everything that happens at the end of the game. Yeah. But I, mean, I was so, I was so convinced that ultimately this was going to be a tale of two siblings and sort of in many ways it is, but I was really convinced that it was going to be this thing where, uh, Sam was entrusted with this quest and eventually there's going to be conflict over whose is this to see through to the finish, who, whose project uh, is this. And then we are just sort of plunged into the main action of the game. Like it goes from this really like slam bang start of, uh, you know, the void out, 
the president, your mother dying in your arms to, all right, time to make your rounds. Yeah, just go. Yeah. And your first parcel is your your mother. Um, how did that delivery go for you, by the way? So, you know, I've had the great benefit of playing through this game alongside my coworker, Tim Rogers, who is a very particular sort of individual. And I think we both agreed that the gravitas that goes into that initial quest sometimes feels a little bit at odds with everything that's going on. Cause it's very much like, here's a, like, so I'll say this, it, it's a, it's a body bag. That's all it is. But on Twitter, I, I believe Kojima was like, actually it's based off of these old mummies or whatever. And it's just a body bag. It's just a body in a bag on your back. And you're just hiking around again, body in a bag in a on position. your back. Yeah. 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 Just kind of chilling there. Kind of flops around if you stumble. And there's something about the raw physicality of these games that veers the line between feeling very tactile and real and then kind of slipping into like weird cartoonish quap qualities and pairing that with the utter seriousness of, all right, you got to go on this quest. All right, this is your mother. There's some sort of strained relationship and now you have to take her to the disposal facility. Um, But when you pair that with the actual realities of what the game is, there's a little bit of a clash. Yeah, it definitely, for me, it was more than a clash. Like, I was still learning the systems, and I got distracted, and I ran out of stamina in the middle of a deep river. Congrats. And I fell over. Did Oh, boy. The president, my mother, busted loose (laughs) and was swept away by the current. And I'm trying to chase this fucking body bag full of my mother, the president, down this river, but I keep running out of stamina because I'm running in the river. And so Sam keeps like splashing toward the body bag and falling over and getting more tired, which makes it more likely to fall over. And every moment this is happening, that body just keeps getting swept further down river until eventually she slams hard into some shoals. And you see that body just like uh, it's very it's very much like she just like a ship running aground. They didn't they didn't play any like sweeping ambient low roar soundtrack. It was just yakety sax. (laughs) That's I am low roar did fire at some point once I collected my mother, the president of the United States. Again, yeah, the president (laughs) of the United States Uh, and put her slightly damaged corpse back on i mean she was still good you know? i mean she didn't care yeah she was yeah <laughs> uh so i was like we can still do this like less than 25 percent damage i think uh, like, i think we can still burn this body <laughs> oh folks. my god but it is very much like it's very it, it was the solemn moment i was like all right taking taking this character this this deep like this is the last journey uh this last connection with this character this last uh like responsibility as a son and then it's just this utter like yakety sax uh comedy bit it sounds funny for me to say it but i almost commend the game for allowing that to happen right i think a lot of ways if this game was more curated then i don't think a lot of it would work even in the serious moments i mean clearly there are vistas it wants you to hit or kind of a pace that you want to go in certain areas but the notion of yeah, whatever difficulties you encounter along the way are things that are just going to happen no matter how extreme or absurd or anything else. I think that speaks to the quality, at least of the gameplay, right, of, yeah, okay, you have to 
transfer a body or transfer, Lord forbid, a nuke. And yeah, don't worry, maybe you'll just fall down a cliff while you do it. Aren't those the same thing in this game? Uh, in theory, <laughs> yes. In terms of effect, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... I ended up really appreciating that aspect because later there's another point where you have to carry. There's a few points where you have to carry. I can think of um, at least two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, sometimes they're alive, though. Well, yeah. Chir- yeah. Chiral Artist uh, and then. <laughs> Chiral Artist, Subquest, and then Mama? Or was it Mal- Was it the sister? Locker? It was Mama. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kato, in this world, when a woman needs to go somewhere, living or dead, she gets into a little sous vide bag. And you just sort of carry her around the world. Yeah, sometimes when a guy wants to reunite with his girlfriend and maybe get married in a, in an awkward side quest, you just deliver his wife to him in a way that's not creepy and not problematic at all. <sighs> only only women. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. looking looking at it in our <clears throat> brain, you know. But you know what? You know, I mean, it would just be too much work to create a man corpse body <laughs> model. God damn it. Yeah, to be fair though. <laughs> It's a small sample size we're working with, Kato. Right. There's like right. six important characters in this game. Yeah. And two of them get carried around. Okay. Uh, and they're both women. Yeah, and like three of them are ghosts. Yeah. So, like corpses and ghosts. The ghost person, like, I think it's ambiguous how many characters are ghosts in this game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a handful yeah. that are maybe ghosts. Uh, but there was a point later in the game where I was carrying, uh, we'll get to it later, but at some point you're carrying Mama yeah. um, to... Hartman's lab. Yeah, you're heading up that way um, to see Hartman and then... Not Hardman. No, not Die no Hardman. there's Hardman and Hartman, but you're heading up to see Hartman, who I yeah. like. He's a nice yeah, fellow. Yeah, he's good. Good guy. Uh, but that moment, because I had like learned this game, if you're going to make a moment solemn, you have to be the one to actually treat it somewhat reverently. Yep. You have to slow your pace down. Because uh, I learned that with carrying, with the first sort of corpse run, I guess we'll call it. Uh, like, I learned that, no, the, the game will sabotage, will let you sabotage some of its weighty moments by just being oblivious, just being clumsy. Uh, and so when I did, like, at that point, I'd, like, I'd spent enough time around the character of Mama, and I was invested enough in that story where I was like, I don't want my last interaction with this character to be, like, dropping her body down like 60 feet of glazed Lord ice. forbid you drop her in BT territory and cause a void out. Yeah. That would be a little awkward. It'd be it'd be terrible. And then you gotta retrieve her by you know whipping little canisters of bodily fluids everywhere. That can happen. Did I saw a clip of uh you know the porters that walk around? Yeah. You know the BTs can just grab those and cause an actual void out? No. Yeah it's freaky. Shit. So I have to imagine that if you're transporting a living human being on your back and you somehow lost them in BT territory, and a BT touched them, the same thing would happen. See, you can't have that. That's no good. <laughs> nah. Uh, but that first uh, that, that that first run, I also, after the, once the BTs sort of close in, after you've incinerated uh, the, the presence, uh, mortal remains, I definitely did not escape my first run in with, that's where they introduced oh, the really? concept of yeah. what happens when the BTs grab you. Using your BT, using your Orijack. Yeah, I did not, I did not pull it out. Uh, once that whale showed up, I was, like, I panicked. It was so, it was so distressing, I think. Like, the first time this happens and all the oil just starts, like, pouring up out of the ground. Can't and move, you're getting... Things are grabbing you. 
And then the fucking whale like comes bursting out of the ground and there's oil everywhere and there's all these like bass notes in the soundtrack and the and the, and the sound effects and yeah it was harrowing so yeah. I just I just panicked and uh, that whale got me. Yeah, that whale, a proof that Hideo Kojima at least knows of Moby Dick. Don't know if he's read it, but he knows Moby <laughs> Dick is a thing. Yeah. He knows that there's a whale. There's a dude named Pequod in Metal Gear Solid 5. So he's aware of some of the things. Yeah. He likes whales. Is my point right now. What's the idea? He loves the idea of whales, like the platonic idea of whales just in non-whale places. It could mean things. But it is overwhelming. Some of the monster design in this game is actually very, very good. That sort of surreal giant whale stuff is good. I think a lot of this stuff at the end, the way that they handle the first encounter with Higgs and that large monster, not to get too far ahead of things, has a very sort of Yoko Taro almost... um, terrifying to the point of almost absurdity, right? Just completely excessive in some of the uh, designs that it wants to put forward, some of the supernatural images that it wants to put in front of you. So I can imagine that when that happened, you might have had uh, plenty of uh, reservations and, and lots of uh, lots of panic. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got pulled in. And that's when, that's when I got the first, like, death cut scene where I'm introduced to the idea of Sam being a... Um, Repatriate. Yeah. Yeah. And being someone who can always come back from the land of the dead. Um, though I guess he can still, like, I think when that happens, the argument is it can still be a disaster for the people around him. Like, there can still be a void out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that can, I've had that happen in games. So if you do end up dying to one of those, if the larger BTs touch you, the idea is that the antimatter of the BT touches the matter of the human being. Right. And that causes a big explosion. And in your game, if that happens, if you go back to the place where it happened, there's that giant crater. Like there's yeah. actually a crater created in the game. It's absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I definitely found uh, where I died outside the incinerator, there was this giant, yeah. like the incinerator model just like cut off into a hard cliff. Gosh. Um, so like, the model was intact, but like all the landscape around it just like immediately like just went straight down into a deep pit. It was pretty cool. Uh, also started to give this sense like I think for me this was a really cool thing about the opening act of this game, and I wish maybe it had stayed in this territory longer. Maybe maybe that's not achievable, but I liked how in the opening stages of this game, it's clear that some rules of this world are well understood by the people in it, but you, nobody pauses and explains them to you. Yes. You're just kind of like, oh, sure, I guess I can come back from the dead. Sure, a whale just grabbed me and pulled me into hell. And you, there's no idea of like, how do I fight them? How do I like spot them well? How do I like, how do I survive in this world? Clearly Sam's good at it, but I'm not. I don't know, like, I don't know what Sam knows. And for me, I think that was probably the most I purely enjoyed the premise of the game. That was the most I purely enjoyed the idea of this world being haunted by like BTs um, were these opening hours where it was all very mysterious. I'm kind of thinking about it. Well, I think the way that they structure it is very odd in the sense that you're right that they don't explain a lot. Like, I don't think the first time they don't explain what the term BT means until Hartman mentions it very, very casually stands for beached things. And I think a lot of the concepts that people take for granted in the lore, first off, the concept that, yes, there's an afterlife and we all have our own kind of passage to the afterlife. It's all kind of implied at first. And I think you're right that that's more powerful. I think I think we have that problem, at least with this game, that as things progress, they really want to start explaining stuff. 
Um, they really want to get into the specifics of say, hey, what was up with the, you know, the BB program? And I think that's important, at least for Sam's relationship to to Lou, and kind of getting there. Lou being the name of of the BB uh, for for people who maybe are listening and actually haven't played that far. Uh, it gets a name. It's Lou. Uh, I, I think some of that is necessary to eventually get to where the game wants to go, but I think you're right that it doesn't, there's definitely a different feeling near the end of the game than at the start, particularly as you get like more weapons and yeah. stuff too, right? It's becomes, for a while it's like, I don't know what these things are, I don't really understand how to deal with them, kind of like you're saying, then eventually you just have lots of tools and a lot more context. It really changes the way the game feels. Do they ever explain what Dooms is? No, they really don't. And it, huh. bo- it bothers the hell out of me. It seems interesting for something that's explain. It seems to eventually explain a lot. That seems like a central thing that I was like, I wonder when they'll get around to saying what this actually is right. or what that actually means. So Dooms, as far as I understand it, is some sort of reaction to um, kind of how people react to Kirillium and their relationship to it and kind of the way it augments them. I think it's mostly just the BTs, though. Yeah, it, it kind of gives them powers too. Like everybody's dooms thing. They mentioned the ratings. Like everybody's right. level of dooms. It's implied fragile can see them. Yeah, just yeah. Like she straight can, up, she, she can straight up them. see them. Sam can't, doesn't which is why he needs need to be. Right. He says like, "Oh, I can sense him," because he's like level two and she's like level whatever. And Higgs is like, <laughs> "You're like a little baby." Level ninety nine. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely we get an idea of what it does, but there's no point where they're like. They never say what it stands for, and the closest they ever get is at the end when Higgs is like, we got dooms, Sam! And it might be one of the funniest <laughs> things that Troy Bakers has ever said. Oh my god, I I love that it was very much just a Troy Baker performance for Troy Baker Morning. Yeah, God bless him. Yeah, right? it, it was just... He got a paycheck, and he had a blast. And you yeah. know what? I, I'm getting older, I respect that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it sounds very much like... You know, bring Troy Baker in for a couple days, just lay some tracks down. Uh, I would love to know how much he played that character as absolutely medium aware, because that's an aspect of his character. But I wonder if Kojima was like, yeah, you know you're in a video game, or he was like, you kind of know something's up. There's so much where he's explicitly talking about the narrative structure of Oh, the yeah, game. 100%. Like, yeah. Um, but I think in that opening zone, uh, a couple great moments for me were... The first time I really fucked up and overloaded myself, I had to go to a power station. And I was like, I'm going to carry so much shit to this power station. And it's just, there's like some bad terrain between you and the power station. It's the, the first time I, like, I came to a cliff and was like, I do not have the right gear to get down this. So let's, that looks like a footpath I can follow. And it was not. And so I just scattered a bunch of shit everywhere. Um, and then there's the whole... Everyone seems to have a different saga, their own saga, of the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm curious, what was your relationship with the first motorcycle the game I gives you? I don't like vehicles in this game. I really don't like them. I like going around on foot, so I avoided it for a long time. The most I did is I put down a little thing with a frowny face, and it has like 20 million likes now because, uh, you know, I'm popular and cool. And so I, I didn't touch it for a long, long time. And then I think the first time I really touched the the trike was in chapter three when you start to get to those areas where it's all the really odd rocks and geometry. And that place is almost entirely built to really make you not use right. any sort. Because it's right outside of one of the locations kind of between, I think, Lake Knot and whatever the heck the other city is. 
And it's like, no, you don't use vehicles there at all. So for a long, long time, my relationship to that sort of stuff in the game was just, don't touch it. Like, I'm I'm Sam Porter Bridges, and I don't need that. I'm the best. I'm the best porter there is. Oh, see, I was very much like, they're like, there's a bike. We haven't figured out how to make it run. And I was like, I'm going to make it run. And I'm going to build bridges everywhere. I'm going to create a highway here. I didn't even realize highways were in this game. Yeah, yeah. So I got really fixated on this idea. I maxed out my chiral network building bridges, and I'm like, I'm going to zip all around this zone. I did not realize this was a disposable starter zone. Yeah. So I invested probably like 10 hours. You maxed out your chiral load? with How many bridges do you build? Well, how many streams are there? Oh, my God, buddy. (laughs) The trick is that you build like one or two that people will walk on. You don't build your i mean i respect that we both enjoy building complex zip line things but bridges are large and 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 buddy you got to leave some chiral for the other folks well um so at that point in the game um i'd had a problem where i'd like playstation network had crashed for me I, like i hadn't connected so i disconnected from, and i figured the game would reconnect and it didn't so nobody's putting bridges up ah. and i was like i guess i have to I am Sam Porter this is Bridges. My job. Yeah, this is this is what I'm here to do. I'm you, all about this. You life. disconnected from the real life chiral network and then start building bridges. I built up on the fake chiral network. It was great. Bridges everywhere. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to build this network of bridges and like cruise around this motorcycle. But I realized like there's not that much to do with the motorcycle running back to uh, capital, not city. And so eventually, I was like, I guess I just the game is telling me to go to Lake Not City. So I'm just going to do that. And immediately I run to that mountainous pass. And by that point, I was so invested in this motorcycle that I was like, I'm going to get it over this. I appreciate this. This It was like Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, it's a good Uh, hustle. Like you really set yourself to a task. It was a nightmare. It was was really – it was good though because I was like, I'm not going to abandon this motorcycle. And I just kept like finding different ways to like, you know – Force it over those mountains. The motorcycle was your BB. Pretty much. Here's the problem. If you go where the motorcycle can go, you go deep into BT territory. And eventually, I once again, this is going to be a recurring theme. I was surrounded by BTs. And I panicked. I panicked on the motorcycle. And I was like, I'll bet I can outrun the bts over this broken yeah. like, volcanic rock nailed it 100 percent. yeah so i was like uh i'm surrounded by bts they haven't seen me yet but i feel like they're going to so i'm just gonna gun it and uh i gunned it for like 20 feet and immediately just ate shit nailed like it. immediately <laughs> like the, the the hands came up from the ground uh they threw me off my by my bike i tried to get the bike back from them that was not happening and then boom another whale this time I had I had a whale escape, um, but what was what, what I did like is it was one of those moments I had this this really harrowing journey across the mountains, and then uh, the rain lifted, and the camera pulled back, and the soundtrack came up, and I began like Wonderful. on my bike riding down to Lake Not City. You made I can say this in context, and it's a sentence I'll yeah. never really get to say in life again. You should have just peed on the ghost. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what the pee grenade was doing. Well, I mean, like, in general... Oh, so here's a fun one. If you do get grabbed by BTs and you turn around and piss on all the tar, Sam's bodily fluids uh, mess up with BTs. You can make them BTs go away. Drink a bunch of Monster, piss on the ghost. Oh, that's right. There's the Monster. Yeah, you just drink a bunch, and then you're like, man, I gotta go to the bathroom on all these ghosts. And then you're fine. 
I'm teaching all these high, uh, yeah. these high level yeah. uh, death stranding strategies. So now. I could have peed my way out of danger. Yeah, I mean, like an animal, really. Right. Like a classic animal defense. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's really that's smart. <laughs> I feel like, um, having escaped the whale and then slowly riding down the hill toward Lake Knot, I feel that was probably a slightly more cinematic victory for me at that moment than. If I just like whizzed my way yeah, out, yeah, it would of... have kind of ruined the moment a little. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, what's the band's name that does every song? Low uh, Roar is Low Roar. Uh, predominantly the the folks that are using this. There's a couple yeah. others. All their songs sound the same, right? You know like... what? I like it though. Yeah, I'm wrong, <laughs> but I like it. Yeah, it's... it worked. Very like at moments like that, it did like and, and and sort of having that like okay, survive that now, sort of a long like because it's it's very um like sad pseudo prog, uh, prog adjacent. I completely respect the fact that this game has two lengthy credit sequences because the first one has Low Roar's wonderful song "I'll Keep Coming" playing in the first one, and and that's really good. I like that. Uh, the second one has Chiruches, 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 uh, playing another Chiruches. song. Chiruches. Which is, okay. that one's okay. But Chiruches over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but is is Lake not where you have your first encounter with Troy Baker? I yeah, so is, you right? get there, you kind of, because you're, you're going to take a, a boat. boat to the next area, and he shows up and he finally summons the kind of like, tiger dog looking BTs and that's where you have your first fight and they that's where you're really the game really starts to tutorialize you on hematic grenades yeah I was terrible at that boss fight I like for some reason I was just really bad I was one like running around like like an idiot and then I realized oh yeah I have a bunch of grenades so I can just throw at this it's that moment is interesting because that's one of the moments where Higgs is very aware because he says like Oh, you really wanted this, right? Like, oh, you really wanted some excitement. I'm Higgs and I know what's going down. And you know what? Yeah, good for him. I you know, I wanted to throw my blood at, at a giant ghost. He was right. It is very much like he is a almost like joyless Sam Lake in some ways. A little bit. Like just asshole Sam Lake. Which is where... funny because Sam Lake's in this game. That's right, he is. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I I think Sam Lake here here's the weird thing. There's like in no world has Sam Lake been anywhere near as successful as Hideo Kojima. No. But I think he like he wears the shit eating grin pop culture remixer self-aware video game auteur thing. He wears it so much more lightly than Kojima does. He was and, in like, two games this year. Yeah. He was in control as well. Yeah. And he he did a great job there. So congrats, Sam. Yeah. Uh, like like some of my Twitter posts or something. Like <laughs> just, just we're close yeah. we're real close um but i think that first boss fight with with higgs it was really cool like it is the first time you see now a city emerge yeah. from the from the ether basically from the ooze and like again it has this really apocalyptic like what the fuck is happening in this world vibe and again like so many of these big moments they, it's just familiarity breeds contempt in this game like yeah. This this game has, I think I had like eight or nine battles like that. I could have just had one. Like if if there just been this one fight, we're like, remember when Higgs? Like you're you're about to get on that boat, and like Higgs summons that city. That was out freaky, of, man. You yeah, 
there was like a fucking what was that animal? It was like a tiger bear. Yeah. But then, like, by the end of the game, you're like, are you fucking kidding? Am I to kill a goddamn whale in this goddamn city now? Is that what's happening? With all of my rockets. Yeah. My multiple rocket launchers. Right, right, right. And so I think that, like, again, it's this, this, this first act where so much that is happening is inscrutable and weird and eerie. And even Higgs, he becomes, like... We joke about him now because we've seen just the cartoonish arc of the yeah, entire of thing. But at the time, he is this like he is also wearing a death You know mask. nothing about off. this dude. Yeah, he's just this nightmare phantasm that comes out and just like wrecks house. Like, oh, there's there's evil like death wizards here. Uh the, I guess this game is turning into destiny right before my eyes, basically. You, you start to see some of the like the themes start to come into focus too a little bit too. Yeah. You're you're spending a lot of time in these broken areas where the environment is all messed up. Now you're sitting like cities rise out of what is essentially oil. Yeah. You, you start to see in combination with all of the internal strife and the politics, you start to see some of the environmental stuff that's in this game too, which I think is very, very much in this game. I ultimately think that this game is partially reckoning a lot with climate change. I, I say in my pretentious critic voice, I think it's really a game about climate change, but I think the images that you're talking about are very evocative, but I think they also, they're evocative because even outside of their context, the image of a broken city being consumed. We have cities in the real world now that are sinking into the water. We're going to have more, like, that's going to just be a thing. And so seeing that, even in the context of a weird science fiction ghost story with, like he said, weird death wizards, there's something about it that clicks even with kind of the heightened stakes and almost anime absurdity of what's going on. And I think that started to really click for me because the next sequence, right after you get to, um, oh, God, Port Knot City, right? Is that yes, it? I believe you so. Lake Knot, you, you go You're finally heading into Chapter yeah. 3 where everything is fantastic. And the first thing, like, after you get there, uh, the first, like you, you go outside the wire basically of the base, and the first thing you encounter is a highway. And like you can build a highway. Here's some ingredients to to just mix together, and it's, it's an great. easy to make highway. It's fantastic. It is, and like the re- when you realize, like holy shit, there's roads. I can build roads in this game. Um, it's it's really cool. But I think the first time you see the 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 road spring into existence, but then it's always bleeding that oil up into the sky that's where i was like okay so yeah climate change like this game is both like it's about this weird relationship we have with this age of technological marbles right where it's like we can do anything and it's poisoning our world and it is dooming us yeah it's weird it's weird because ultimately i think this is actually a pretty hopeful game uh, in spite of Multiple insistences from characters that know we are screwed and the better thing to do is to commit giant existential mankind scale, essentially suicide on on all of the population. (laughs) Like there's those two extremes of like people who just give into their despair and then the difference of the mechanics, which, yeah, we're building these things that are are kind of polluting what is a very natural landscape. But when you look into it in the context of I'm building these things with other players, I'm kind of... um, finding ways to make new areas uh, more accessible and better for everybody. There's like this almost like a new deal quality to it, which I think is really, really fascinating, especially considering this game's um, somewhat overly romantic 
a relationship with at least the platonic idea of America? Uh that's a good place for us to pause before we dig into what are this game's like major themes that it's going to begin begin unpacking in the main arc of the game, and then it's really long extended postscript where all that interpretive work you've been doing is replaced by Hideo Kojima just explains to you what's going yes. on. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, we're going to take a quick bre- quick break and uh, connect you to the Chiral Network where you can buy yourself some goods. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, and we are back, uh, and we are into this is chapter three, uh, the long extended chapter three of like twenty chapters. But chapter three is the big one. That's well, the weird thing. You like, start to get a lot more context for characters. You start to finally get tools. You get robotic legs and cars, and you finally really get to go toe to toe with the mules. The mules. It really yes. starts to add more and more layers to the world, more and more layers to the ways that you can interact with the world, which is why I've told people, hey, get to chapter three as soon as you can. And it being the internet, everybody was like, how about you shut your face, Heather? And I said, okay. I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I had gotten the chapter But yeah, three. chapter three is great. I should not have spent that much time building a bounce house for my motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this is, this map that you're in uh, at this stage of the game is much, much bigger than it's the one you were on before. Big. And it's where you start to realize that like, oh, this is how the game is meant to work. There's meant to be like, there are places where vehicles can traverse, not easily. A road would still make them way more traversable. But if you are willing to spend time scouting around, there are like secret roads and places you can go. It is a game made by designers. Yeah. Every, every now and then they're like, hey, you know what? Yeah, here you go. Here's your optimal path. Yeah. Take your trike or whatever. Yeah, but if you miss a turn... Good chance you're going to get that truck stuck in a deep river yep. and run out of battery. Yep. And then, yeah. Um, and it's where you start introducing more of these survivors camps uh, before we're running between basically bridges, outposts. And here we get now the survivalists. Yeah, you get the chiral artist. You get uh, Conan O'Brien. You get all sorts of people. Uh, you got the, the chiral artist. Uh, the... That just shitty old man on that mountaintop. Yes. Um, who is basically like the game's boomer, right? Where like he like he is totally dependent on bridges to keep him alive and bring him supplies and support he needs. But he feels entitled to that. And like he doesn't owe anything like well, yeah, what, what, what has Bridges ever done for me except I, bring me my diabetes medication? I, I suppose I'll connect to your chiral network, whatever that is. <laughs> well, but he does go through this arc. At first, he's like, 
well, if you're just bringing me all the stuff anyway, why would I? Why would I join? Why would I? It seems like I can just get everything I want without without joining. Uh, it doesn't seem a lot of point to it. And then later he goes to this arc of, you know, I guess it wouldn't be right to continue being a freeloader on this. Like I should do my part to build this network. And I think that speaks to this, like this idea of there's a New Deal spirit to this game. Like the games, you come to this map and it's this atomized space. Nobody's talking to each other. Everyone's sort of isolated. And there's a lot of people with philosophical ideas, objections to this idea of connecting back into a society. Um, and then over the course of a lot of this, these people will be won over through your good works. Awkwardly, most of this is accomplished through emails you yes. read. Uh, a lot of the stuff you hear back from people that you've dealt with is in your log entries. It's Hey, now, or like in places that you've already been, like other older maps, they're like, hey, all this crazy stuff's happening in these old maps. And you're like, I would love to see that. And they're like, well, I swear it's, it's like the Nathan Fielder tweet when he's like, going out tonight with all my friends laughing. Yes! They're right off, uh, they're right uh, outside a frame of the picture right here. Oh my God. That's, those are Sam's friendships. It's it really is. Like there are all these people that he's had this massive impact on, but the game cannot. I kept waiting for the moment where, like, at some point, this game. I, I was always wondering, like, what was the budget of this game really? Like, what, like, how many resources did they have available? Because you're just talking the Jedi holograms yes. through most of this, like, and they're they're just sort of like you know spouting like, oh, gee, thanks. They're it little, looks great. They're little lines based on like how like the condition of your thing, and they're like, oh, oh, it looks pristine. Like, congratulations. God, and there's there's awkward there's really awkward things like you run into this doctor's wife. No, you run into the doctor. Doctor's doctor, the only one who talks. And the other guy needs uh he needs uh like equipment or something because it's like him or his wife has like a heart problem or something right. like that. Yeah, there's the um yeah, the uh mountaineer. Yes. But neither of these women speak. No. Um, but they do email you. And so, like, there's there's a super awkward, like, the optics, as they say, are not great. No. As this one, like, old white doctor gives you the quests. And this, like, black woman is just standing there silent. Uh, just like, yeah, she's his wife. Doesn't. You'll hear from her later via email where she explains her rich inner life. Yeah, this game has a very sort of romantic notion of community and of America and all these other things, but it doesn't really follow through on really approaching the complexities of the things that it wants to to talk about. Because even though we say, oh, it has a very New Deal thing of let's make connections, let's rebuild infrastructures, there's also undeniably a part that's like, go westward, young man, right? It's make your way from coast to coast and rebuild this thing in the name of America without really understanding that America is a complex, uh, very often flawed and violent uh, sort of entity. In this game, it's this very platonic notion of togetherness and and XYZ thing. Well, except the game... So this is the weird... Like, what makes this game interesting to me in the end for all that it's on the nose and sometimes has this really strange idea of of America it also has these things where the game introduces this concept that Bridget Strand was the spirit of America but she's dead now 
you carried that incinerator, but her daughter, Amelie, is out there. She's going to be the spirit of America. Her real name is Amerigo. Right, right. And where the game is, is headed with this is this notion that, well, maybe the spirit of America is poisonous to you. You know what I mean? Like maybe on some level it hates you and is here to destroy you. That's, that, is, that is another aspect yeah, of where well, this well, is headed. That's partially because I think that, that doesn't get stressed as much, but there's this idea that expanding the chiral network is actually causing yeah. more existential kind of problems in terms of now BTs are more there common because there's more Carillium yes. in the air or like, hey, we're going to reconnect all these things and actually I'm Amelie and this is just going to help me make things more unstable because I'm actually some sort of uh, harbinger of extinction, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I think there's parts of that. Well, I wish it got into it a little bit more. Yeah, like th- this is – the thing that frustrates me a lot here is to an extent I, – I love ambiguity in works. Like I, my favorite thing is not really knowing for sure, like having multiple interpretations open to me. Do you? That sounds like you're very sure. Do you like ambiguity? That's the one thing I'm sure about. Okay. I am I am not ambivalent at all about my love for ambiguity. Okay. Appreciate that. <laughs> but I do like it does frustrate me here that in Death Stranding, it often feels like the game's ambivalence isn't so much considered so much it is just absent minded. Mm-hmm. That we have this notion of, hey, um everything you're building is leaking death oil into the atmosphere. And then the storms form and the ghosts come and try to eat you and pull you into hell. And all you're doing with that is creating this, you know, super internet, basically. And is that real connection? Is that making us a better society? Is that bringing us together? But then also, the game's like, dude, this Carol Network rules. And you know what? Giving someone a like on social media... That is a connection. That's good. It's back and forth. It's this thing of, like, what does it mean to like a stranger? It doesn't mean anything. What does it mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I joked, hey, Sam Lake, like my stuff on Twitter. But what the hell does that even mean? It doesn't mean I form a connection with Sam Lake. It doesn't mean that the lovely people who like our work or something like that, you know, there's a real connection for them because people are liking a thing. So I think the game has a notion of... Uh, social media and kind of parasocial uh, connections that it doesn't always have, you know, the most positive spin on. And yet at the same time, mechanically, systemically, when you're playing this game, when you start to see the same names on a structure, when you start to see certain structures in places that are very clearly built to maximize a person getting their engagement or their likes, you start to think you know something about these people, these other players, Um, So it it all kind of tangles together into this idea of like, yeah, you can maybe start to learn something about people, but also, man, what are you doing? That's not the best way. And then, you know, narratively, it's this idea of, well, wouldn't it be great if we could all just talk to each other and have the super internet? And the answer is partially, well, maybe no, because there's something poisonous about that, too. The game's very much of two minds on a lot of different things, uh, really to its disadvantage. Yeah, I think it 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 floats too many contradictions and tensions, and then punts them, punts on them, basically. Yes. Like I think for like for me, there's a scene later in the game. Uh, you go and you hang out with Hartman, who is 
one of your many scientist buddies Love in that this guy. game. Oh, he's adorable. He's fantastic. Uh, and his sort of curse is that it's a great sequence. Like he, like sometimes characters unpack their backstory. The scene for you of him brutal. on the beach with like his family and, and getting tugged away. Oh my god! Really heartbreaking. Yeah, his his whole origin story is that when the first like Death Stranding event happened, and it's kind of like there was a moment before where the world was normal, and there's a moment after where, you know, cities can be annihilated in the blink of an eye uh, by the dead. And he was on an operating table, and he he coded as as he does. And while he's he finds himself in the in the underworld, basically on the on the banks of the sticks, and he sees his his wife and, and child he's marching away with everyone who does tons respond. of people. Yeah, and he sees them, and he tries to reach them, and then they resuscitate him at the hospital. They pull him back, and he has never seen them since. But the catch with this character is every 20 minutes his heart stops. It stops for three minutes? Something like that. Enough for Sam to get bored. Right, and start fucking with shit. Um, But in those three minutes, time passes differently. uh, Yeah, the the time on the beach that he's wandering around could be excessively longer. Yeah, and so he is just constantly searching all these, this is the other thing we learn, rather like uh, Corona tells us everyone has their beach and you have to find it. <laughs> and that's what Hartman is doing. He is trying to find the beach where his uh, family is. Ready? I'm going to say a nerd version of that. Yeah. <laughs> For you anime fans out there, it's like if, you know, in Fate where, where people can have reality marbles and it's like the inner manifestation of their heart and like for some people it's like a field of blades or whatever. It's like that except actually the afterlife. <laughs> I, uh, he can't find them. And he, like he just every 20 minutes he goes and searches for his family and fails. And really the implication is like, no, you, you're not going to find them, dude. No, they're gone. They, they, they actually they pass beyond. 100%. Because the beach is just, it's essentially limbo. It's the place that you go before transitioning to whatever is next, which is the one place that like scientifically they don't know about. They know all about the mechanisms of what happens after you die, except what actually happens when you're finally, finally through the final door. Yeah. And yet he is convinced that if he just keeps searching, he will eventually find them. But while you are there and waiting for him to be resuscitated by this little, um, these things are real. These things exist. People have these for different heart conditions. Yep. Uh, it, it's basically like, um, Okay, what do you call the what's the official name for the paddles? It's kind of like a, a weird automatic AED. Yeah. Um, and while you're waiting for that, you can start messing with the stuff. And then Hartman will give you likes or dislikes yes. based on what you're doing. But in the end, like there's this cute there's this cute beat at the end where, where Sam goes to the record player. Yeah, he scratches his vintage. One record of the player. few really pure moments of characterization for Sam. Sam has the solid snake problem sometimes of having to be the straight man <clears throat> around all the weirdness. And this is one of the few times that he really gets to break yeah. out. It's a very nice moment. Um and immediately Hartman gives him many dislikes yes. for that. But then as the scene ends, he the, his in his dream state, he gives a little thumbs up and you get all the likes back and a little more. And it feels like Kojima thinks this form of connection is fundamentally cute. Like, you know what I mean? Like for all his reservations yeah. about 
the, what, what are bonds on social media? What sort of bonds do we form in this like wired connected age? He also feels like a guy who loves getting emoji texts from friends. Yes. And is like, this is just the cute, cutest and best thing in the world. There's a quaintness to it. Yeah. Right? The, the notion, or even like in small things. So when you kill a BT, the BT gives you a like. It's really weird um, to kind of see that pop up. And it's not like BB liked this or, oh, back home, dead man liked it. It's the BT gave you a like. And there's a quaintness to it that touches upon a real sentiment, at least theoretically, with the BT of like, oh, thank you for, I suppose, killing me and letting me move on. But there's that quaintness of like the way that it's expressed in a digital age is the BT liked this, which is is very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think ultimately it leaves me in a sort of confused state where I think the game ends up in a confused state about the politics of the chiral network and what it is you're building. Like, because yeah. on the one hand, it thinks this stuff is rad. And on the other hand, it might be founded on an unholy technology and energy source that is going to destroy us. And it doesn't really know how to resolve that. Um, and in some ways, that's almost secondary to the point because the other thing we start really getting into in chapter three is that. Higgs, your primary villain at this point, is someone who's reacted to this apocalyptic state of the world with like pure nihilism. Yeah, just the most blanket form. <laughs> it's that and there's there's also just like just like a really pure hatred too. There's like his reaction was there's no point, and if there's no point, then I can do anything. And it's fundamentally just really sad and backwards. Yeah, I think there's also an element of you are so small in the face of this onrushing event. And this is this is a tangent, but uh so I grew up in uh nor- northwest Indiana and like in some ways a very sort of secular place, but also there were like you were still there's still pockets of like deeply religious people. Yeah, and of like course. You, you'd like there are pretty much anywhere, but like uh, there was a sort of sort of, you know band of evangelical Christianity, uh, form of evangelical Christianity in, in that area that I would sometimes encounter, and there was a particular flavor of it that I always found really interesting and and frankly off-putting uh, was this notion of imagining God as the bully who was going to beat up everyone's dad like this this notion of god is not like i'm on god's side god is this enormous unconquerable force and i worship god and therefore i'm on the side of this irresistible force a sort of very violent exclusive eschatology yeah and Higgs reminds me of that, this notion that you are facing the confirmation that God is real in some ways, right? Or at least the soul is real. Yes. And reacting to that revelation with, I am nothing next to this, but I can be its agent. I can be on the side of this awesome power. Yeah. That doesn't need me or care about me. It's inevitable. Yeah. And that's kind of how Higgs responds to this. And it just – it sort of flashed me back to this 
uh, you know, two conversations I had when friends were trying to get, get me into their fucking Bible study, um, which did not take. But the, this this whole notion of, oh, yeah, you know, what's, what, what's great about being religious is the fact that everyone else is wrong and they're probably going to burn in hell. And you get to be very smug about that. You get to be you get to you get to watch it happen and pray for it to happen. And it will. So your wishes will come true because it's predetermined. And that's kind of Higgs, right? Like he can't make anything happen. There's the inevitability. But if he says, I want that inevitability, then to a degree, it feels almost like he brought, like he had an impact, like he brought it into existence. Right. I, so ultimately a lot of this game ends up being how people react to smallness or really annihilation. And I think the game's ultimate response through what Sam chooses is mostly that there might not be a solution where everything's okay and we get out of this. Mankind goes to the stars and avoids the death stranding and the world is fine and we continue. It, I think it ultimately decides, you know, very much as the counterpoint to Higgs that the thing that gives meaning you know, right? It, and it, it's kind of on the nose given the themes that the game has been discussing and its mechanics or anything else is your connection to other people. Um, you know, I think we all have points in our life where we think about the really dire existential things. And I think that in those moments, regardless of how you feel, your heart skips a beat and you go, oh my gosh, where am I? What am I? I'm How old am I now? Like, what is going on? And then you ultimately realize that the thing that gives your life meaning isn't necessarily, well, I go up to work and I do the job I like. It's, I see the people I like. I see, uh, you know, I, I, I get a text to get into the digital thing. I get a text from the person I love or whatever. And I think Death Stranding, the ultimate conclusion is, yeah, even those things might go away, but those things because they can go away or because they will go away, have so much more inherent value than they would in any other context. And if you react to it like Higgs or Amelie ends up being a character who falls into this too in a much more softer point, which is just, I got to do what I got to do. The world's going to end. Let's facilitate it. Uh, not to <laughs> spoil too yeah. much for her, but the reaction is either give up or, or, or do something or give up or and or conversely accept the beauty of the thing around you because it fades and that's not new to any form of particularly postmodern work or existential work but it works it, it hits me in the right spot yeah same and I, and I think Higgs serves a useful purpose and on because on the one hand um, and and. I'm in the process, as we're recording this, of editing something that uh, Cam Kunzelman wrote for us on this. He sort of points out that in so many ways, Higgs is your stereotypical video game villain. He, yeah. he feels very much like he stumbled in here from a Metal Gear in some ways. And it's just like, I guess I got to be the, you know, the big bad in it's this the story. It's the boss fight yeah. now. Come on, Sam. Yeah. But – and I think that that is what this character is, but there's also a smallness to this character, this this, this notion that um, this is someone who can't handle the fact that – can't find meaning 
in the fact that you have connections, but they will eventually be severed by death. And, and ultimately, at some point, humanity might stop existing. And in the face of that, what do these connections between us matter? What does our our loves, our hates, what does any of it matter? And that realization breaks him. Like, and he embraces the, this pure nihilism because he just can't, if he doesn't have the security blanket of thinking that he's part of this unbroken history of humanity um, and that his existence means something, then nothing means anything. Yeah. And I think it does, it serves this game well to set him up as this villain who's ultimately revealed to be very small. And the real question is more the one that the conflict that Amelie is wrestling with and kind of needs Sam to, to, to answer for her, which is if extinction is an, is an inevitability, um, why hold it off? Isn't it kinder? Yeah. Isn't it what what is the point of the struggle? Yeah. Forget shut up Kemu. We don't need to know about Sisyphus. What is the point of the struggle? Let's get it done with. This is cruel. Existence is cruel. And for her it's partially because she is in a very strict way within the narrative. Uh it's literally her cosmological job to uh, usher in the extinction of humanity. Uh, for her it's it's like an imperative. And her rationalization for that imperative is well, really, in the grand scheme of things, on a cosmic scale, this is a kindness. And she doesn't want that to be the case. Like, it's very clear at the end of the game, in spite of, like, Sam, I need to walk down this beach and destroy humanity. She's really looking for somebody to give her, not an excuse, but a better a better sort of answer, better sort of response. It just dawned on me, this is me, Joe Black. A little bit. Like there, there's a big part of this is basically like, but it's not, not in the case of Joe Black is about like death as this idea of the individual character of death, uh, you know, ending lives and ushering people into the afterlife. This is death as this com- cosmological phenomenon. But she, because she had this physical instantiation in the world as Bridget Strand and then Amelie, the actual like goddess of death basically is inhabiting this limbo forever. Um, but she had this period where she was a person and walked among humans and lived a human life and forged connections. And it is this kind of, again, these are, these are not original ideas or thoughts, but there's something so sincere about them. I think I'm running like Austin was talking a few days ago about how all of us are very postmodern and, in the, the example he was using at the time was Star Wars is not, right? Star Wars is, is yes. very uh, romantic in its sensibilities in many ways or, or heroic. Um, I think that may – I think something similar is happening with, with Death Stranding where the things that you would flinch from doing in a fine arts program or creative writing program where you're like, this is too – I will I will get killed during peer review during this. I like I'm going to get murdered by my group if I put something like this on the page because it's laughable and it's trite. Kojima has no shame, and so he's like, yeah. So uh, this cosmological extinction event, um, like, what if, like, what if the asteroid that's going to wipe out humanity? What if it was a person and like was friends with some of us? I'm going to make you upset right now. You know what? Sam stops. Third impact. 
It's Evangelion. It's you see oh, this in all no. sorts of things. There you go, bud. Oh, it was, I can't but, uh, escape it. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking in, in the sense that it, a lot of a lot of stories about cosmological terror, regardless of anime, regardless of any other context, the ultimate decision is about whether or not you choose to stay and and be a human being, or or whether or not that pain is too great and. Death Stranding, like you say, has it where that becomes a conversation. It becomes a conversation between two people. Ava does it where it's all Shinji because that guy's okay. We love him. We don't. <laughs> but, but you know, in, in Death Stranding, it becomes a conversation with two people on a beach. To be fair, you have to not shoot her with your fake, with your not really good gun. But, <laughs> but yeah, you have to not put the... Not for lack of trying. Oh, I am embarrassed by how long it took me to figure that out. And I play a, a lot of games and I have written tons of <laughs> words on Hideo Kojima. I should have gotten that right away. Instead, I was like, man, maybe I'll keep shooting her. <laughs> maybe I'll friggin' stop her from doing this. And the answer is no. What if I stand in front of her and put one through her forehead? You gotta hit the hug button, buddy. Yeah. Um, but the thing that sets up this conflict with, with Higgs as our, as our villain, at least initially, is all of this ties into this character Fragile, Fragile. we've been meeting, um, who is played by Leia Sadu. Yes. And she's got a signature line, by the way. She is fragile, but she is not that fragile. Uh, it's like... Looks good on paper, maybe. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit like, oh shit, there's like a couple ways you can pronounce it. And one implies one is a name. I'm and fragile, one is but I'm not fragile. Yeah, it's oh my god! It's you. You will hear this like once. You're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's multiple times cute. in this game. It's you will hear it like twenty times. It's her. It's her catchphrase. But uh, this is where we start to get into both her as one of the game's major heroes. Yes, and also where we begin getting into Hideo Kojima's gender politics. Oh no! Again. Say it isn't so. <laughs> Hey, uh, Heather. Yeah, what's up? What do you think is the worst thing that can happen to a young, attractive woman? What if she got old and kind of ugly, Rob? Oh, my God. What if her her beautiful body, her beautiful, beautiful body was somehow marred by the passage of time? Uh, but also, thank you. No, but it's so. Well, we, we can hide it with a tight leather uh, <sighs> weird bodysuit. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. And in some ways, sure. I'm going to be charitable for a second and say, you know what? You know what? In some ways, yeah, we all have fears about <laughs> our degenerating bodies. Uh, I don't know. I have friends who find gray hairs and they freak the hell out. But in the context uh, of everything that this game is doing, Fragile, a character that I like for the record, man, it's just. It is a problem. Uh, there's no other way of talking about it. It's a problem. It is a problem, Rob. Rob, you know what it is? Problem. Problematic. Yeah, it's 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 not great. Uh, it's interesting. She she's set up at first as kind of just a mysterious figure. She yes. can warp around the world basically at will. She is the thing that causes the first accident to befall Sam in this game. Um, she's the one who, she's the one who's like, yeah, I can, my dooms are so high. I can see these things. And, uh, she loves to eat the bugs. Oh, she, she's got the crypto biotes. Yeah. She's just just munching them. Giant, huge, like circus, circus peanut size, uh, water bears. Yeah. Um, and 
again, like this game is just like, man, she's so beautiful, but then she's going to eat this bug right in front of you. And she can be like, hey, Sam, want a bug? I'm going to eat this. Yeah, and I think the thing that everybody comes back to is the scene that shows her background with Higgs. Yeah. Because it really is, it really is this thing. And, you know, I talked about it in my review, and it's a complex thing to talk about in the sense that I think the way that a lot of characters are framed in this game uh, is a step forward in certain ways for Kojima. He certainly has a lot more comfort with the way that he handles, like, male bodies. He's much more frank about how his camera is going to frame them. Um, but in this particular scene, it's it's how she kind of gets uh, forced to run through Timefall through Higgs. And a lot of what's happening in that scene is fundamentally, it's still really just uh, Kojima kind of being like, and then Leia Sado runs through the rain and we get to kind of leer at her a little bit. And it's like, man, like, I get it. It's actually vaguely within the context of the fiction. She makes a very difficult choice. Great. But the way it's framed, the way it's shot is just, come on. Yeah, I think the... For me, like, all these reservations aside, in some ways the scene still works because Higgs is there laying out this, he's, you know, basically he is arguing you can trade your time for all these For all other these people. people. But then the way he specifically frames it is, man, I'll bet you are proud of your rock and bod and your beauty and your youth. And so is that the thing that you're willing to put on the line for these strangers? And that changes it a little because now we are framing it totally in these really male gazy terms where it's not how much of your time, your health, your good years are you willing to trade to save strangers? It is, man, you're just gonna have to wear a leather cat suit your whole life. Like that's basically like what the stakes are. And then, yeah, it is kind of leering. And I even think maybe the scene could have been salvaged a little bit if it had leaned into the horror of it a little bit. You know what I mean? If there'd been a bit more of a... We have moments where yeah. that happens in the game. It's like that first Voidhead scene that you say, the like, not to interrupt, Yeah, uh, kind of forgive me there, but we have a moment where a dude does not have his hood and time fall comes, and you know what? It's terrifying. It really is this, this terrible thing. Yeah, we see it again even at the start of the game, the birds, which is a really evocative image yes. of birds flying through the rain and that rain literally eating them up. Um you know, in the context of the fiction, again, this moment is, it should, you're right, it should be terrifying. But instead, it, whether it's the context that Higgs is putting it into, whether it's the framing that Kojima is giving it with his camera, um, it, it it isn't the thing that it could be. And frankly, it isn't the thing that it should be. Yeah. Um, And the other weird thing is, you, it, like, her entire story is she's got to carry this nuke to the tar pit because if you throw the nuke into the magic tar, it's not going to hurt anyone. Nope. The weird thing is this is beat for beat the thing the game just made you do. Yes. Like this is the other weird thing is you just played through the sequence and then you are treated to the cutscene where this happened before. When totally not Troy Baker shows up and is like, oh, hey, can you carry this package here? It's, you know what? That happened and I, <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's Troy Baker. I was like, what? Oh, it's Troy Baker here. Is he playing... Another person, I was like, no, this is just, this is just a bad guy. This is Troy Baker. Um, because I don't think Higgs as, I don't, I don't intellectualize Higgs as Higgs. I just go, man, Troy Baker is evil. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's very, very strange. You're right. It is, it is, it's, 
it's very odd to be like, here's this moment that you've gone through. Here's this kind of heroic thing that Sam did. Like it almost robs fragile of, of, of that moment too, of like, oh, it's this thing that you also did. Like, I don't know. There's, I've thought about this and I, I don't know quite where I fall on it. I to me it just feels a bit like this game also sometimes struggles. Well, I think this is a Kojima issue. He struggles to trust that a moment will land through gameplay. Right. And then he's like, I bet it would have been better if it was a cutscene. And so in this case, he just does both. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, you drive the nuke or you run the nuke to the tarpon, you fling it in. And now we will watch this other character go through it and it will be scored with music and we'll control the camera movements and we'll exult in it. Yeah. Um, but ultimately it does sort of fully bring fragile, fragile into the fold yeah. uh, as part of the, the gang of buddies. She joins the team. Yeah. Uh, Metaphorically, not literally. She still has her own company. But it's also around this time where we start getting into some of the weird shit going around with your BB. Yes. Uh, we alluded to this before. I'm surprised we've gone this far without getting into the BB. But I think the the broad outlines we know, which is that the BB is a little, little, a little baby, little a bridge baby, tiny pod baby. Yeah, that has through the horrific mechanism of it is connected to. Basically, they're called still mothers. Uh, yeah, it's um, uh, they're essentially brain dead. Yeah. Uh, so through uh, like a mother in a coma or or, or something, uh, this baby has one foot in the afterlife, but then is also still here. And they're in these little pods. And through their connection to both worlds, you can also get your sensors are able to pick up the presence of BTs, yeah. et cetera. But every time Sam connects to his BB. Which is basically any time that you're leaving a safe house. You get a flashback. Mads uh, Mickelson. Mads, to, Mads the lad. To, you get, you go through BB cam. Yes. You see Mads talking to a BB or talking to a still mother in the same room yes. or talking to, is that President Strand? Bridget Strand? But she's wearing a death mask. <gasps> that looks like the one that uh, Die Hard Man wears. Uh, and the game will do this so often that you will eventually basically be able to piece together everything that happened. Is that going to stop Kojima from stapling all these cutscenes together? Oh, at the no, end? buddy. No, you're going to see it again. You got two hours to sit on your butt and make sure you understand exactly what this was. Uh, but then the other thing is. You start getting pulled into when you like. I think is it when you go to sleep sometimes. How is it you? How is the? How is it you were pulled into the war beach? The first time? one. It's it's a supercell. So it's yeah, after it's right. after you arrive. I think uh, in South Knot City, supercell arrives, yes. which is essentially messed up enough weather patterns in this game can actually pull you in temporarily. To other places. In this case, it pulls you into a beach, um, which World is... World War One. Yeah. And they, they kind of talk about this. They say that in cases of mass death, um, people's beaches are sort of shared. We got into this a little bit with yeah. Hartman. Particularly for war, that just means, man, you're trapped in a limbo that is just war. But also, for whatever reason, uh, combat mads is here. Yeah. 
it's, and it's overwhelming. The first time you see him, it's it's an astonishing reveal. Yeah, it's you great. see a bunch of have you ever seen the movie Death Watch? I have. Oh, you were the only other person I've ever encountered who's seen this. You're, you're welcome. Uh, it's really good. It's a cool horror movie. Yeah. Um, but I got such strong vibes from that of like the like chiral soaked figures rising from the pool Just as the, British all Tommies. The, yeah. Yeah. And they begin to like haul forward like a team of horses as they pull Mads, the man, mm-hmm. Mickelson, in a fucking like officer's great coat it's from great. the Great War. It's very good. And then as he does, they all like, you know, take up blocking positions around him. That's the sound that they make and with the, their guns. And the reins that were connecting them to him are now fuses. Yeah. And that's the other sound. He lights a cigarette. He, I, I told you this on break. Man, yeah, I would watch that guy smoke a cigarette uh, every second I could. Yeah. It's fantastic. But anyway... Now you're in these trenches too, and you got to kill this guy. It's Metal Gear. Oh my gosh, suddenly you have a Metal Gear boss fight. Yeah. It's very interesting. I thought it was a very cool moment. Just because I think before then I'd been playing like 20 hours, right? And that 20 hours is mostly deliveries. And then suddenly, oh my gosh, it just feels like such a broad um, and rapid change of stakes in terms of your immediate security. Yeah. And when you encounter him in the trenches... Immediately, his uniform melts away and is replaced by like modern, like tactical gear. The combat veteran, he's called. Yes, yes, Uh, and you just have to shoot the shit out of him. Yeah, really. Like, I thought maybe something slightly more complicated was going to go on, but no. Like, this is just a battle scene. You just have to just kill these. And then, as you're sneaking around every every now and then, he goes like, "Give me back my baby, my baby, baby." Baby. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um and so you do it, and it's all it's also very like the the old World War One tanks are cruising by, but they're covered in like whale guts. Like all and, sorts of viscera. Yeah, it's it's very much uh Death Watch meets uh like the Darkness One type. It's it's real good. It leaves no like horrific association with World War One unturned. Uh you kill the guy and uh when you do, like, you wound him, right? And he, like, pulls you in closely, wants to yeah. talk to you, and then, like, I think stabs you or something. I forget that one. But, I mean, there's a lot of times where at the end of these encounters, there's multiple ones where yeah. there's, like, a lot of, like, physical closeness, almost intimate closeness, right? Yeah. Which makes sense given what we learn later on. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so no one knows what the hell that was about, but it does start raising questions about what is the, you know, provenance of yeah. your... There like, and to everybody's external perception besides Sam, that happens in an instant. It's like two seconds, and they're like, "Oh, we lost communications with you." And he's like, "Ah, uh, no, I'm Norman Reedus, and I was in World War One for like two hours." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" But I love it. And then they just check his personal tape, and they're like, "Oh shit, that's World they're War like, War. oh yeah, you were like, yeah." No, dude, like his audio feed is correct. Like his wow. his vitals like showed no disruption, but then like he just had his Olympus running. Uh, in the entire sequence, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, holy shit! There's like World War One on this tape. Like that's fucked up. Yeah, uh, really He's interesting. Really stuff. Into, he got really into Foley all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tons. He loves it. Uh, but this also starts raising questions about like what is actually going on. Like, yeah. where's this BB from? Like, what did we just encounter? And that's where we start to really get into uh, Dead Man. Yes. 
as he begins moving into the role of guide and advisor uh, for this part of the mystery, Guillermo del Toro. But not really. But not really. Is voiced by a fellow named Jesse Corti. Um, and how did you feel? How did you end up feeling like? How do you end up feeling about Dead Man? Dead Man's a weird character for me. Yeah. I think he fulfills essentially what his role is, which is to be the closest thing that this game has to like a codec mission control. Um, he He's very much as somebody who uh, talks about uh, all the expository stuff when you need it. And he does a decent job of it. I think for me, I was never quite sold on the connection that builds between him and Sam. Um, and the BB. And the yeah. BB, yeah. I mean, they get to it a little bit, especially in the second war sequence where he's actually the one kind of protecting the BB for a while. Um, I I think, you know, I care much more for Hartman. I care much yeah. more for Mama because we actually get to learn a little bit more of their deal. Dead Man's deal is like very, very quick. He's like, oh, like I've had a bunch of surgeries and I'm cobbled together. He, he's like, I'm Frankenstein's monster. And he means that very literally. Yeah. Which ties into a lot of the body anxieties that this game has but his place within the game always felt to me a little bit more functional yeah than anything that really tied into the broader thematics and he's always there to be like we just need to like the bb's malfunctioning i don't know why it keeps giving you these fucked up visions but we just need to trade it in for a different one and then through the magic of uh the maternal feelings we all carry around uh he's just like oh my god i bonded with bb having been in its presence for like 10 minutes adorable bb yeah He's like, I must protect this BB with my life. Yeah, it's that the whole BB thing is interesting insofar as it it starts to point into the larger myth arc, which I, I mean, the core mystery is is ultimately, uh, or I think the game's what it wants the core mystery to be is who is this BB? Yeah. Um, what is their deal? Uh, I think a lot of the context you get. I, I had a lot of people who asked me at first. They were like, "Is the BB Sam?" And I was like. Uh, I'm under embargo. Stop messaging me. I thought so for a long time. <laughs> yes. I thought it was a, I thought we had a time BB situation. Yeah, I mean, because they like, kind of get into the time travel yeah. stuff like we kind of yeah. discussed. Um, for a while, the BB is just a device to get into the themes of, of parenthood or more specifically yeah. fatherhood. This is ultimately a story about men at the expense yeah. of women. So it's really about the paternal stuff. And then only near the end does it really start to get into the internal politics of the game and then really what the deal is with Sam. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, the the arc toward Dead Man suddenly being like, I must protect this BB. I think one of the less successful things happening here is, I think this is evident in the game's marketing. One of the things that gave this game a, like, a weird vibe is like, Norman Reedus is holding a baby and crying on a beach. That's wild, man. And this game does sometimes feel like it's a little bit too surprised by like, or it feels like it sh- is more surprising than it should be that uh, men would be affected this way. It's given a lot of profundity. Yeah. You know, in a way that you're like, no, we all had dads and I acknowledge everybody has different relationships with their father, yeah. but you know, we all had more than just one parent, uh, presumably. Yeah. And, yeah, those those feelings are in in theory kind of universal, and the idea that men, in their toughness, can build build these connections or 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 anything else, uh, isn't quite as novel as the game wants to think. In fact, I actually think the BB stuff doesn't. I will say at least the BB stuff doesn't work well. I think the stuff with Cliff and Sam works a oh, lot better, yeah. but I, I think a lot of that is owed 
to Mads Mikkelsen Mads. again. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that uh, Dead Man does start to stumble on is this notion that like, yo, something's up with Die Hardman. Yeah. There's like weird gaps in all the records we have. This quest is weird. Uh, like there's just too little. We don't know much about the BB. We don't know much about the BB program. Um, we don't know where where Die Hardman is from. It feels like things are being kept from us. And and uh, Dead Man is the one to sort of raise the possibility that hey, uh, like maybe we need to start keeping this on the down low. Yes. Like we can't trust the organization we're part of. Leads to that uh, scene in the shower. Yeah, where they're supposedly going into the shower to make sure nobody listens. It's given yeah. a little awkwardness because it's supposed to be Sam's awesome phosphophobia, his fear of being touched, but the, the yeah. way it's staged is a little weird. A little bit. It's it's a little bit uh moment doesn't really land. Yeah, it's a little it's it's sort of torn between like um gay angst and then uh body shaming, I think. Is yeah. the, like it's 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 like, ooh, it's uncomfortable because like, oh, this guy just got into the shower to like have his conversation with you, but also he's so big. I, I debate how much of that is like an intentional thing and more, again, kind of a thing that happens out of uh, maybe lack of awareness. Yeah. That it feels somewhere between those two. Yeah. I I think in the end, the scene plays it so straight that ultimately like you just, the awkwardness fades as like him getting the message across yeah. uh, t- takes priority. It's very functional. Yeah. Um, but as the zone expands... Uh, we're we're finally sent to deal with mother, uh, to with a uh, mama, mama, and uh, crucially, she's also going to introduce us to her to the zip lines. It's true. Um, she has the first one, and you know, God bless her for it. Yeah, but she's got she got a BT baby. She can't leave. This is why she's always in her lab. Yeah, because the whole I had readers who who perceived that story be different than me my perception was that a lot of this was broad metaphor for like postpartum stuff mm-hmm. uh, which i admit is maybe me talking out of my league yeah. uh, but there was definitely an aspect of you know she her story is that there was an accident as well and kind of like what happened with hartman um, but she was trapped under rubble so long when she was pregnant that she gave birth to her child yeah. and now essentially the ghost of her child kind of haunts her um, I I think it's it's I I kind of see what they're going for, but I, it doesn't completely work for me. No, I think there's there's so much else going on. Yeah. behind this, and I think the to me what I think starts out is a pretty clear. This is someone who is dealing with the fallout from the death of a child she was carrying. Um, and she's sort of trapped in that place and feels in some ways still responsible for for this child that yes. she lost. Literally follows her around. Yeah. Um and, and I'm like, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. And yeah, I like, get it. Let me tell you about my sister Lachna. Oh, my identical sister. And it's like, what what mm. now? Yeah. Both of them named after crater sites? Yeah. Meteor sites? Yeah. Uh, and you go across the mountains to, uh, to. Presumably mountain. mountain not, I don't know. Yeah. They're all named kind of like Pokemon cities. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's mountain knot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just go there. Go to um, Vermilion city or something. And, which is the one with the tower of ghosts. Tell me, Kato. 
Lavender. There you go. Lavender Town. That's where we're going. <laughs> and Lochna shows up, and Sam's like, what? Mama, what are you doing here? And, and Lochna's like, fuck Mama. I hate her, and I'm not letting you build the chiral network. That's there's, no good. There's a weird interchangeability of women thing going on that I don't necessarily feel completely qualified to talk about. Yeah. And so then there's only one thing we can do here. We got to carry Mama to Lochna. Yes. Across the snow so yes. they can have out what happened. And it's revealed that Mama was – because they're two – see, they're, neither, neither of them is a complete – person. Yeah, slow down, David Cage. I've played Beyond Two Souls. (laughs) God damn it. I'm going to give you a child. Uh, (laughs) Shout out to Heavy Rain. You make me Uh, cough. Still setting the bar, I think, that uh, for for terrible uh, gender politics. But um, once again, we got to put a lady in a Ziploc carrier somewhere uh this time apparently uh before before she can do that mama has to sever the connection to her bt baby yes she does and while also giving you the ability to do it too with your weird handcuffs with your cell phone handcuffs that banksy gave you yeah um and so you you carry you, you you reunite the two sisters mama Promptly dies because yes. apparently well, you can't have two. They're 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 effectively one. Yeah. So just gotta spare out out the window. Right. Um. But there's this entire notion of one could carry a child but didn't necessarily want one. Lachna wanted a child but couldn't carry one. Mama could but didn't want to have a child, so she's gonna be the surrogate. But now she feels guilty, and also there was. You know, Lochna had a partner that died during all the stranding shit. And so this was their last chance to like have offspring together and that baby was lost. Um, and apparently all it took to resolve all of that was a deathbed encounter between the sisters where mama dies. But by dying, what we really mean is she became one with yes. her sister. And then Lochna has like a heterochromia thing going yep. on. Yep, and then they build the chiral network and fix the security on it, and uh, it's it's a it's a weird beat. Also, just a quick shout out to the chiral artist subplot. Oh, I which, mentioned it a little. It's very odd. Yeah, and it's weird how it plays out. Um, so I will just say this: it has a moment that I like, which is that's essentially the first time you see somebody come out of a shelter. Yes, and I've talked about this with Tim. And that's actually a very interesting moment because so often you're talking to people and this is a game about connection and you're talking to holograms and to have somebody come out of their shelter was actually, oh my gosh, a person? Very cool. And then everything else is kind of just messy and not great. Yeah. Uh, You have to reunite this Romeo and Juliet type couple um, who it starts out, he is just a crafty junkyard operator who fell in love with this also crafty, but more of an Etsy way. Yes. um, Chiral sculptor. And her mom doesn't want them to be together. And she's just, you know, moms getting in the way. My mom's like that all the time. Yeah. Just, just trying to like stop their kids from like finding happiness. So there's only one thing for it. Sam's got to go pick up the chiral artist literally 
bring her over. Bring her over to the junkyard. Wife delivery. And so you you get that cutscene. She comes out and she, holy shit, there's a person right into the bag. You carry her over to the junkyard. <laughs> you carry her over to the junkyard. Take her out of the bag. Very awkward reunion. As I understand it, the lady who is in this is some sort of, I, I think, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but I think it's it's uh, someone who's known at least as like a model or something, which explains some of, because this is a game predominantly about stunt casting. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah. I think that's part of what's going on here. Um, and so they're reunited. And yeah, stilted, stilted uh, reunion. Very awkward. And then you start getting these fucking emails. Emails. Mind you, this is a long quest. Like, like the it's act treacherous, of bring them yeah. together. Like, the first time you hear about them, meeting the, the junkyard guy, the, everything. All of this takes a while. You reunite them. It's this big heartwarming moment. She, I think, like, clasps Sam's hands. It's this big moment. He there's, connected with these people. There's, like, the, the sand, the, the timer or something that she has. She actually breaks it. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah, some at least what's supposed to be some sort of cathartic moment for her. Yeah, and then you start getting these emails. Marriage sucks, man. In this really uh, kind of sleazy way. Yeah, it's very retro. Man, in some I didn't ways, think. Right? Oh man, pledging my life to somebody—it's like all she does is nag, nag, nag. <laughs> it's so much. It's like it's like the fucking honeymooners just broke out into the middle of Death Stranding, where it's like, I swear, Alice, one of these days, right to the BT to the territory. Beach. Yeah. Right to, right the, to beach. the beach. Yeah. Oh my God. So you start getting these emails of like them just like ragging on each other. They're constantly. not not enjoying it. And then the chiral art is just like, fuck it. I left it. God, back. I moved back into my mom. God bless her. And I'm like, okay, well that seems like a really anti, but it's very funny. Like, wait, how? Avocado. <laughs> a different, it's a a good question. A different porter, I guess. There's other porters in the world. Sure, do they exist? Yeah, yeah they are. They are. They aren't okay. as good. She hoofed it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? If she, well, she got herself. If a you're gun. surrounded by BTS, you just floor it, and you'll <laughs> right. be fine. Yeah. Uh, but she got back to her mom's place, and then, and then, do you did, do you remember how this end? Did you get to the end of this entire plot? Can't recall at the moment. So, they. The mom sits those two crazy kids down. Oh, no. <laughs> and explains, oh, no. Explains that, damn it, they belong together and they're in love. And the reason she knows it's meant to be is because the scavenger, the junkyard guy, used to be part of this roving band of murderous, uh, like, scavengers. Who, who hasn't done that? Yeah. Who terrorized... The community in this Mad Max style, and he and the gang murdered her real parents. Her mother is actually her adoptive mother. Oh, dang, I do remember the some of gang this. murdered her parents, and they were going to be like, "Let's murder her too." But the guy was like, "No, I'm not going to let you kill this kid or this this hottie. I'm not sure. It's what his motivations were are kind of obscure, but he's like, I'm just not going to." So we know he's a good guy because like killing most of the family, fine. But like killing this girl that eventually he would marry, that was a step too far. We know he's a good guy because he exhibited positive agency over a woman. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So and then neither of them knew this. So now we're in total like somehow they didn't know that this is how their lives intersected. But the mother, the adoptive mother knew this. 
And so she's like, you see, this was faded. Because, see, he didn't let his gang murder and eat you the way they did your parents. There's a lot of weird relationship anxiety stuff in this game. Uh, yeah. Because they even get into, uh, they do the asexual world bit. Oh, fuck. Which is, we could tear yep. into that for a bit. Let, let us just say, uh, everybody is valid. And we respect all of you, no matter what. Uh, but the way the game conceptualizes things like asexuality is split between not quite understanding the notion of asexuality and taking a cultural approach where it's tied to the anxiety of declining birth rates and relationships in Japan or something. But it's split between those two things and it's very messy and it's stupid and ultimately a lot of this, like the decisions that Death Stranding makes about relationships is that like they're like untenable or there's like a tent like weird tension that you just need to accept it like it it can't always really conceive of relationships that are just i don't know like decent the closest we get is the timefall farmers a little bit smart these of two them people these two people who realize that while timefall is a disaster you can use it pretty cleverly to like accelerate the growth rates of plants and stuff nice bit of speculative fiction yeah but in the emails, it also merges there. Um, <laughs> it's weird. They get this weird hang up. Are we just slaves to the wheat? You start getting these emails. Like, oh I feel like I'm a slave to the wheat. I can't do it, Rob. And <laughs> so they're like, if we just keep living here to grow the wheat, aren't we like the wheat slaves? <sighs> and the other thing that emerges from this, though, is so I think she's like a crop scientist. And she came there to be like, hey. Is there a way we can salvage anything from this like disaster that's befallen the world? My guy was like, "Yes, we can, my love, with your with your botany skills and my craft brewing techniques. We will raise the wheat and the hops, and I will brew beer." And this is how the monster energy in Sam's uh, like barracks room is replaced. By craft beer. You I didn't know this. You complete the oh, quest. I just made a terrible face. Oh my God. Yeah. You complete their quest and like help them like bring in their beer crop. And the monster goes away because they've sent you a sixer of Timefall Farm Porter. Oh, I would have laughed Time if it Fall was. Timefall Farm Porter, eh? I eh? I but I still would have liked if it was like a brand. If they were like, yeah, they brought you some Lagunitas. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're like, man, you're from Brooklyn. What's going on? Uh, they sued all the other uh, Timefall Farm beers. Well, I this isn't for Brooklyn, but yeah. you know what I mean. Um, Some craft beer bozo. But and then you start getting all these quests. People are like, just bring me that beer. I need the beer. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen, bring, bring me the beer. <laughs> bring me I my want, PB in the I beer. Want my cold one. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, so that's probably your healthiest relationship. And then I guess there's the mountaineer and his wife that you just got to bring the medicine and she's. For a game that's so, I think, fundamentally enamored with other people and like the fundamental worth of people, it really does just dance and trample and stumble all over some of the interpersonal stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think part of it is just the way you interact with these stories is so contrived. And so, and in some ways the emails feel like an attempt to course correct being like, wait, we, there's no story. Like 
there's no story here. There's, right. there's, they're just they're just sock puppets at this point. So we need to create some context. But what that ends up doing is creating a really weird disparity between what you've observed firsthand and then these really confessional emails. Like yeah. you go talk to someone, it's like, great. I love this item you brought. It's just what I wanted and it doesn't look too damaged. And then you get emails that are like, hey, you know, since you came by here. I've been yeah, I got to be real with you for a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My business is not doing good. So you know that girl you brought me? Um, I kind of want to send her back. Yeah. So like, here's my private uh, Twitter. <laughs> we can talk about this later. Thanks, Sam. Um, but, uh, nevertheless, we, we put all this stuff back together. We go through this world and we connect up this, this network pretty well. And then we have to cross the, uh, what is it? Like the, 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 the great void or whatever. Uh, that big old, the the big old stretch lake. of tar ocean. And you know what? I like this moment in terms of what it does mechanically. Very interesting decision. Yeah. Because there's a way. So it's basically an impassable uh, bay or really sea uh, of just that gooey, gross tar. Yep. And you have to figure out how to get across it. It's one of the closest things this game has to kind of like a puzzle. Jesus. Uh, and the solution a is hard man had to solve it for me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I... Oh, no. See, this, where I messed up with the gun, because I'm a bloodthirsty fool, I got this one very quickly. Okay, yeah, I definitely was just like wandering around. <laughs> Did he call you up and was like, "You got to get grabbed by the ghoulies?" No, he. What he's like is, uh, man, I just can't think of any way you could cross this tar ocean. But maybe you've seen something where things emerge from a tar ocean. All right, there you go. And I was like, oh, so I got to trigger a boss. Yeah, fight. so the, the solution is ultimately to actually let yourself get grabbed by BTs. Yeah, and race out there and, and then run across the, it's the ocean. It's a pretty intense sequence. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but you get there and now we now you are in it. You are t- It's time for your big showdowns with Higgs. Yes. Uh, giant boss fight. Huge, giant BT where you are mostly shooting at it with rockets. Yeah. Which is, oh, I feel so different. And yet at the same time, I was like, okay, I'm okay with this spectacle. It feels really claustrophobic. Like yeah, in it, that space. That space very, is not very big. Yeah. And so like the thing is huge. Also, it's wearing Amelie on its heart. Yes. She's, and like Higgs is also popping out from different parts yeah. too. And being like, ha Sam. Oh, Sam. Yeah. It's, it's doomsday. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Kyle. God damn yeah, he says it. Is this is this the only time you get rockets? Is this like no. a one time thing? Or is no, this... no, no, no. By the end of the game, it's like it starts to become a video ass game, video game. Also, okay. the game starts being like you connected to these other players. They're here to help you by delivering rockets. Yeah, they kind of pop up, <laughs> but the, it's all smoke and mirrors. Like you aren't like at no point can any player realize someone is having a boss fight and provide rockets and ammunition. It's, it's just, just the names happens. of people. It's yeah. like it's like the people at the end of near yeah, yeah. yeah. People don't help you really, but they're still helping you. Right. Uh but like when you get a random Estus walking around, it's just like, oh, here's This a game is one. Dark Souls. Yeah. It really is a lot of Dark Souls in right. this game. You blast the fuck out of the giant BT. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then you go into the beach zone. Where you got one boss fight first. Yeah. Which is you gotta run around do a little fisticuffs. 
With Higgs. With Higgs. He's got a gun. And you mostly you got to pick up luggage and hurl it at his noggin. Yep. And then just kick his ass. That, the first fight feels, uh, it's not nearly as good. Um, I see a lot of DNA from the boss, the boss fight in Metal yeah. Gear Solid 3. Of here you are, two people in what is ostensibly like just a large field of some kind. And you just got to go at it. And then you kick his ass because it turns out the gun doesn't work real well. He brought a no. he brought a gun to a luggage fight. Then it becomes Metal Gear Solid Four, where it's just how's your CQC? It's Solid Snake and 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 Liquid, except this time it's the 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 actual health bars show up like you're playing Tekken. Oh my god, yes, which is an astoundingly yes. either stupid or fantastic moment, a little bit of both. And then you get to do the like fight night. It's a yeah, very boom, rock boom. and sock on. And you like, hit them yeah. in the jaw and they do the slow motion. It's yeah. it's bananas. They punch each other in the face until you win. Um also though, when you stumble on Higgs in this setting, he's kneeling at the feet of Amelie, who is then like, Oh dear, no, I am abducted. Oh, I've Still, been captured. Oh, I'm so un- yeah. I'm out, this is out of control. It's very odd. Yeah. What's and, up with uh, that? I will say this. I want to say during the fight where they're doing the punching, it's one. It's another one of the few moments where Sam gets like a genuine moment of himself, where he's just, he's just griping about everything he's gone through. He's like, "Gotta run over here, deliver this, Sam. Fucking sick of it." And you know what? Yeah, dude. Good for you. Like you have been some political pawn. Everybody's wanting to take your BB. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like that moment. Yeah. Uh, and you whip his ass and all the myth, weird, heavy lore stuff comes. Yeah. Um, fragile shows up to dispose of Higgs how she wants. And you get the, the immortal line. Oh, I brought you a metaphor because she brings Sam Higgs's mask, but not a very good metaphor. She's like, you should use this as a warning of what happens if you. Yeah. I don't know if she really understood you know that what a metaphor was. <laughs> she she's like, you should like put this on a stake or something and let people know what happens if they stray from the path. Not and great. I'm like, is that what happened here? I mean, he he doesn't want to stray from a path. But he? it is a very uh, both. Uh, I will fully disclose that when that line was said, I went, oh fuck yeah. Oh yeah, I I was thrilled. I was so but, happy. But also, I was like, thank you. This is great. Yeah. And then, like, the game really steps on the gas yep. of, like, okay, shit, uh, you got to get back to Walk Capital back across Ma- the yeah. entire map. All of it. Go, buddy. Fast, because uh, Fragile is dying, right? That's Yeah, the- there's, she can't, she brought as many people over as she could, because she brought over, like, Hartman and Lockman yeah. and everybody, and she's just, she's just kaput, she is, she is pooped. Yep. And you got to walk back, Sam. Walk back over all of America. Yep. Uh, we'll just wait here. Uh, hopefully the end of the world won't happen. I don't know. It I, mostly does. I admire the tenacity of it. Yeah, you start you start encountering the big floaty BT. Yeah, everything's worse. Goobers. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. Going back to that starting zone is just hell. Yeah. You got to fight a giant whale. Your favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, there's more rockets, Kato. So if you were worried that there would be no more rocket sequences... Uh, there's like at least three more. Yeah, man, you like shooting whales with rockets? No. Yeah, yeah well, you go to. Who doesn't? Jesus. Like, yeah. yeah, this is this is like Moby Dick too. Like the the like the this is the, uh, the oh god, this is the um, 
Sicario 2 of Moby Dick, oh, basically, yeah. where it's just like, you gotta kill these fucking whales. Boosh, you're the rocket. Um, but then the game finally reveals what's really going on. Tips its hand. Which is that Amelie is an extinction event. Yeah, she, she's the extinction entity. There is no, like, she never, nobody ever saw the Bridges 1 expedition. Like, it existed, but, like, nobody on the nobody on the expedition ever saw her as part of it. Uh, Bridget Strand was the only person anyone ever encountered, and then there were just pictures of, like, oh, here's Amelie, who is just this extinction event who lives on this beach. She's also technically, uh, and they really uh, hammered home by using ha and ka, which are Egyptian terms, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, internet, uh, but she is also partially, to some extent, a projection of the soul of President Bridget Strand, which sounds more complicated than it is. Yeah. She's just a, a soul who so also happens Bridget to be... Strand's daemon. Sort of, yeah. Or like a, yeah. Tul- like a, tul- like a tulpa or something. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so she's been sitting there wrestling with this dile- dilemma that we've alluded yeah, to, which we- is basically that... The world is going to end, or this extinction event is going to happen eventually. And she would, but, she's. But she is the extinction event? She's the person who makes it happen. Okay. So her whole struggle is, it's like, you know, hey, uh, I'm death and my job is to kill people. Oh, whatever, right? Like, think about it in that context. Like, uh-huh. literal anthropomorphic yeah. or, um, you know, people who represent certain concepts. She is just, she is just extinction personified. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like Christ asking, you know, Father, like, take this cup from my hands. Like I, do, like, I don't want to walk this path. I love I Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything I know about the Bible I got from uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Ted Neely, Carl Anderson, I believe. Yeah. The originals. Uh, but the... She wants to be talked out of it or she wants to be or she wants to hear the case for why if an extinction event is inevitable, why shouldn't it all just happen at once? And we just put everyone out of their misery. Yeah. And I, I suppose we should establish that, like, for her, the thing that she has to do is as certain as gravity. Like, yes. it, it is literally a cosmological necessity that she be this person that enacts what is ultimately the extinction of humanity. Um, it's not like an optional thing. It's just, just that she can kind of choose how it goes about or when she wants to kickstart it early. Cause man, it's just cruel to make people wait. Well, and this portion of her psyche just lives here in limbo. Yep. Surrounded by the dead and the inevitability of the apocalypse. And it is hard to keep it at bay. She is a bit like it. This is very Ava. In some ways, yeah, absolutely. where she like she is very much the I will stand here for all eternity, and oh, she's like, in the she's in the Ava, she's Yui. Yeah, kind of. Except maybe sorry, I don't know. <laughs> Lost track of the plot there. Yes, me too, me too. Uh, but but there but there is this element of her holding this back and not having it all happen at once also requires a great deal of psychic energy for her. Like it is. It is difficult it, for her to keep this moment at bay. It's, it's going work. to happen slowly yeah. or it can happen fast. It'd be easier if it happened fast for, for her. And if it's going to happen anyway, what's the point? And so there's a really long sequence. We've always had these flashbacks to 
her and Sam encountering each other on the beach when he was a child. Gives him um, the dream catcher. Yeah. And they finally have this exchange. And it's, I think it's a pretty affecting exchange. It's the, it's the most vulnerable we see Norman Reedus. Yeah, I think uh, the early this. portions of this are good. And then once it's resolved, it's a little clumsy. But yeah, the first parts of it, of like the actual discussion of like, man, help me. Yeah. It feels pretty genuine. Yeah. And like, let me like say it's okay for me to do this. Yeah. Or give me a reason not to. Like, I need, I need help. I can't do this by myself. And if you hug her, she will basically, she'll slow walk the apocalypse. Um, yeah. And it's going to happen. Maybe there's hope. She doesn't see any, but it could, it'll take longer. You have more time. Yeah. The concept of it's going to happen in this case is like hundreds of thousands of years, yeah. perhaps millions of years for her, for the universe, an instant yeah. for humanity. Yeah. A pretty decent run. So she's climate change. A little bit. It's possibly slower. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to freak you out, Kato, but right. uh, we, we're on a pretty short fuse. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's just hearing this out. Like, yeah. that's what came to mind. No, was, it's like, like a lot of this the game really idea is that. of like, well, if it's going to happen anyways, let's just live our lives and like fuck the earth anyways. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Or slow it down. We don't know if we can stop it at this point. But should we slow it? Like, we should slow it down. Yeah. Right? There is a lot of that in there. <laughs> yeah. This is um, why we have cities covered in tar and right. all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. De- areas of this map look like desert. Like, it is just ruined. So, they have their moment. He embraces her and accepts who she is, what she's done, what she has to do. Yeah. There's forgiveness. There's catharsis. There's understanding. And then she's like, all right, I'll give you more time if I can. But you and I are never going to see each other again. This is going to suck. And We're going to run down yep. the beach together one more time. Yep. Very awkwardly. Right before. And then we're going to roll credits. <laughs> Sam puts a lot of it. In the, that's the moment where Sam puts it into the context where people have been sharing online, which is the idea of he's on. Partially, he's on a quest to save a woman in a castle. Right. Metaphorically. And he, yeah. he goes, uh. So I'm Mario and uh, your Princess Peach, because yeah. this game because what? this game is very much aware of what uh, of what it's doing for good and for ill. Now, <laughs> at this point, you're abandoned on the beach. You're just running around, and you find now Bridget Strand and Die Hardman on the beach at some point, confronting Cliff. It keeps going, and. Clearly, there's some fucked up shit happening. Like, they all encountered each other. They all knew each other. Yes. For context, again, Cliff is Mads Mikkelsen's character. And you think he's, like, there to stop the president, but he kind of is. But really, he's he's kind of gunning for Die Hardman a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, And... Who's John McClane? Yeah, John McClane. I'm a little fuzzy on all the chronology of this, but there's also one more callback to, like, a Vietnam sequence. Yes, it kind of happens a little bit after that. Yeah. Um... And then eventually you were just deposited on the beach and it's credits time. And it's a bit like um, Final Fantasy VIII where Squall is just kind of trapped in the airless void. Good pull, buddy. Uh, yeah, you're right. screaming to be heard, but nobody can hear him. Yeah. He's, um, he's, he's, Sam is really struggling to get off that beach. Tries to shoot himself with that revolver. It doesn't work any doesn't better work on him all. than it did on Bridget. Um Eyes on you starts to play. No. <laughs> well, the thing that pulls him back eventually is 
you know, very on the nose, his connection to the people that we've met through the game. So at the beginning, and it turns out they're the they're, yeah. I was gonna say yeah. at the beginning of the game, we see people floating in the sky. It's very ominous. Like, oh, are these the people who are responsible for BTS? I don't know. What's the myth here? And the actual answer is, it's the people he perceives on the beach that bring him back. It's Hartman. It's Deadman. It's I think both Lochna and Maligna. Yeah. Um, this idea that the thing that brings you back from ultimate despair, kind of like we've been saying, is the people who are important to you, the people who enrich your life. So you might be thinking, so we're done. Oh, buddy. Well, not quite. No. First, uh, what's the what's the sequence here? When do we get the two-hour movie and when do we get <sighs> the new president, Die Hardman's speech to America? So we get... He comes back. We get, and the, we get the speech. We get the Vietnam stuff, yeah. which is where we start to get our hints. Like, because Cliff, this is our last time encountering Cliff in a combat scenario. Yeah. He pulls Sam in very close, very paternally, yeah. uh, as you might uh, see. Gives him his dog tags. It's when we start to get a clearer understanding of who he is finally. Yeah. And then I think Deadman starts to care, like figure out some stuff. But then we get to inauguration, Mr. President Die Hardman. Still wearing the mask. And then we slowly start getting our flashbacks to what Hardman's deal is, what Cliff's deal is. Because we get that, and then afterwards we get the confession scene, which is a good scene, very well acted, but yeah. it's a long sequence of events. So at this point, and mind you, this all happened, like, at this point I was in full, like, review crunch. This was happening right. morning of the embargo for me. You mentioned yeah. this. Yeah. I had played, like, 100 hours of this game at that point. I was like, we're done, Right. And then this cutscene started, and it just kept going. Yeah, as it <laughs> stitched together all those sequences of Mads talking to the BB, the BB, talking to his wife. But then we start seeing things we haven't seen before, which he, is he's gonna he's gonna rescue the BB. Yeah, and and Hardman is there being like, listen, uh, your wife's never getting better. That's not what this place is for. He's like, I can give you, I can give you like a little bit of time to get out of here because he's like the security guy who's mm. helping run this facility that the government is doing into the BT program. He's like, I can give you a little bit of time to maybe get out of here. If they catch you, then I got to do my thing. Yeah. But take the baby and run, dude. Just run. Um, and it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well, Kato. Looking at you right now, it just doesn't doesn't end well for Mads Mikkelsen. It's a brutal scene. Like yeah, he it gets, is he gets, a yeah. completely failed escape. Like he's trying to escape with his kid, and he gets like five steps out the door. He's in a secure facility, and like Hardman is trying to get him out, but like he doesn't have that much pull. This is mm. beyond him. Yeah. So it's like it's like if a mall security guard was trying to break you out of Alcatraz or something. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of how it goes. Very desperate situation and uh mads is wounded and uh he sort of drags himself back into the uh infirmary kind of the room where his uh where the bb was where his his wife is um and hardman is trying to talk the guards down from killing mads bridget strand as we've never seen her before mean lady oh just vicious um (laughs) And just wants him dead, but don't hurt the BB. Um, and you're seeing all this, and now you're in the scene as Sam, and nobody can see you except Cliff. Mads Mikkelsen. And here's the thing. There's been some decent performances in yeah. this in this. Mads Mikkelsen is a fucking pro. It's real good. Like he like 
he has this death scene where he launches into a speech about his anxieties about fatherhood and like who his identity, his self-conception was and how fatherhood threatened that and completely sells it. Yeah. Um, it's a really heart-rending scene. We come to the conclusion, however, that makes it clear that the BB, I forget what he says. He's not your, he says, you know, like you're not Sam Strand. You are Sam Bridges or whatever. Um, but it turns out, Gatto, that the the BB whose visions that we've been seeing at the very least, not the BB that Sam actually has, uh, the visions that we've been seeing throughout the game are actually from Sam's past uh, as a BB. Uh, as like a little BB. Like one of the first. and uh, Which explains a lot of Cliff stuff throughout the game. Yeah. And Sam tries to interpose himself between the, Wait, what the fuck? a pistol. Yeah. What's Didn't that? fucking Guillermo del Toro say that they just have to... Don't they just kill the BBs when they're when they? Oh, Sam's like the prototype BB. Yeah, Jesus. like he is the BB. He's and, the OG. And I think I think eventually what happens too, if I recall correctly, is that the pot itself is damaged and uh, Bridget Strand. Well, it's when they shoot. Yeah, it's when they Cliff. shoot Mads. Yeah, um, she takes the baby as her own. Yeah, raises him. Gotcha. Okay. Mm. She freaks out though. She's like, "Oh crap! You like destroyed my military equipment." And then she's <laughs> yeah. like, "I guess I'll uh, take care of this kid." And then she's like, oh, shit, I love this kid. It's my BB, too. Yeah. And, yeah, so Sam's, Sam's a very special, cute BB. Uh, but that sets up this conversation with Die Hardman. A, we finally sort of have a question of, like, what are we rebuilding a, a, a shitty world that allowed these things to happen? Yeah. Or are we doing things differently? Um, and then it's clear, like... It, the, the game's not going to answer that question. That's that's like that's left open ended. What becomes of Sam in this world? What uh, what is Sam's destiny here? He's given one last quest, which is more your, fa- more fatherhood stuff. Yeah, your BB is damaged. Time to take it to the incinerator. Got to get rid of your dead BB. Well, you're dying, BB. But <sighs> dead man is like, hey, uh, you know, when you incinerate a BB. We just turn all the cameras and biosensors off. Uh, and, you know, you could take it out of the pod. And, like, if you do that, it's like one out of every blah, blah, blah. It doesn't usually end well, but sometimes the BB survives. Like, what's going on with that, Sam? <laughs> so, Sam is like, okay, I better deal with this BB situation. Has a final conversation with Fragile, who basically is like, you could come work with me and we could run away together. We could do both those things. Yeah. Um, and Sam's like, no, people I love die. And so he's like, off to set this baby on fire. So see ya. Um, and Just the people that Sam loves. Everyone else is fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Presumably. He's kind of, look, he's giving into a little bit of self-pity, but I'm, yeah. In his defense, she's went through a lot of things. Bullshit. Have not gone well. Yeah, of it's true. Uh, so you go to the, you go back to that incineration center uh, where you took Bridget, and you have the decision what to do with the BB. You take the BB out, and then a bunch of BT babies like, yeah, it's kind of save weird. your BB. I, I think the implication is that yes, there's some sort of um, paranormal aid. Yeah. That is uh, keeping Lou uh, from dying. 
And it turns out that Lou is Louise. Yep. What? Your baby that you think is like, presumably because you just think that the default. Well, I've been, I mean, you were thinking probably for half the <laughs> Yeah, because they've, they've also been saying it too. Yeah. Uh, you think it's maybe Sam, but then obviously you think, oh, it's it's Lou, however, it's my boy or whatever. And it turns out, no, they got it all wrong. It's a little yeah. baby girl. Named for his wife he lost, right? I be- yeah, I so part of it is also that he lost a kid, yeah, and the kid was going to be named Lou. Yep. Um, he has a whole backstory. Uh, it, it's yeah. it's vaguely implied that his wife, um, when she died, uh, he did not uh, tell anybody and get rid of the body. If I'm remembering this correctly, and that caused some sort of void. Yeah, out. it might have been. Yeah. Well, either that or that is the context between at least one of the void outs in the past. I think it's the one that destroys Manhattan. Oof. Uh, I also caused a void out. I um, got curious about what would happen if I used lethal rounds on someone. Oh, hey. And don't don't do that. Didn't clean up after it. Um, so I just gunned down a mule just to see. Yeah. And then I left. And uh, I got to the very end of the game. <laughs> and like literally as I'm walking to the final fight with Higgs, uh, the world ends. Boom. And I was like, what? <laughs> Hold on. What just happened? And so I reloaded it. Same thing happens. And uh, and Dead Man is like, oh, Sam, the, we just we missed a body or something. And I don't know if the world can go back from this. So I reload a save from like 20 hours earlier oh, when God. that body was fresh. Jesus. And I was like, all right, I better go find this body. I go, it's gone. I was like, by that, the body is gone. And I'm like, is my save just totally fucked wow so i had to reload my end game save and i just sprinted into the boss fight and at that point i was just born along in scripting sequences and the timer for that bt disaster that void out disaster stopped congrats nice (laughs) but anyway so it turns out the the void out thing is not something you just mess around with no you don't you're not treated lightly i again i admire it the game's stubborn consistency to its weird lore and quirks uh, and so the game ends on that kind of ambivalent, hopeful, but like wistful, like we see a rainbow. Yeah. What's, do you remember what's important about the rainbow that we see? Uh, was it in Jesus Christ Superstar? No, no, no. It finally has the color blue. Oh, right. The color blue is missing from the rainbow for the entire duration of the game. And then at the end, we finally have a full rainbow. Don't ask me what it means. I don't even care. <laughs> it's the end of the game. Yeah. I've watched all your cutscenes, Hideo. Was it right side up? It was. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't was not an upside, upside down, down. Yeah. rainbow either. And then you enter endless play mode, where you go to the two or three weeks yeah, between before when you the, the inauguration. So you yeah. still have your BB. Yeah. Wow. And they're like, pod. you can just hey, you just want to do some parcel. Deliveries. Yeah, you want to deliver some pizza. Around. You want to deliver pizzas, bro? Yeah, yeah. you, you can just do whatever. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but. The game ends on that note of like Lou and Sam are going to go on the lamb. Yeah, lone wolf and cub. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, and then I presumably uh, that's the origin of the Mandalorian. It's true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but I think it's all pretty straightforward as if, if the names were less weird – it's all it all unfolds pretty tidily. If it yeah, if it didn't wrap itself like itself up in this 
pretension of lore that's deeper than it actually is. Right. Right. I think I think anything gets complicated if you build enough terminology. Yeah. Right. It kind of obfuscates what's going on but underneath. Yes. But underneath it, it's this dude needs to travel across the country. There are some bad people who want to do bad things. The end of the world might be happening. Oh, no. Everything's actually better, maybe. That's about it. So, in the end, like, I did really like this game. I do, too. Um, there are so many things I can point at and be like, this is fucked. This yeah. Is- I don't begrudge anybody especially the people that I know who have been pretty clear in their dislike of this game for not liking it. I think there's plenty to not like. Yeah. I think, I think you can bounce off the gameplay. I think there's a lot of the usual problems with kind of Kojima's pretensions in terms of how much he really wants to deliver a true big experience and how much can he actually deliver on those things or really the team. Uh, yeah. Did you know, Rob, that auteur theory in games, I believe, is uh, is uh, impossible because uh, the the system of at least AAA games totally annihilates the individual. So it's really a team effort. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm screwing around. But a nevertheless, bit. Kojima certainly... There's definitely a guiding hand there, and there's definitely a lot of the same mistakes that have pissed people off over the years, and I don't no. begrudge anybody who gets to certain points in this game and says, fuck off. Because I even got to those points. Yeah. I just kept on playing. How much of it is this 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 plot we've been outlining outlining works versus how much of this was just carried along for you by the act of porting things across the landscape? Um, I think this is a smarter game design wise than it is narratively. I I I tend to feel that way about a lot of uh, Kojima stuff. I yeah. I just talked about our true theory being bullcrap, but I think he's ultimately a better game designer than he is a wannabe film director. Yeah, I I enjoy the goofiness and the lack of shame in this plot, um, and some of these moments really do land quite effectively, carrying Mama to low roar down through this, you know, icy crater. Um, there were some great moments in that, but for me, like where the game is at its best is those moments of I've bitten off slightly more than I can chew. How do I, how do I get down from this like icy yeah. precipice? How yeah. do I climb this? How do I cross this? Um, and I think, that is probably like if I didn't enjoy just the act of walking around this world quite so much, I would have probably hated this. But I really have not seen a game that gets at like what I love about like walking in the woods for yeah. a long day, like thinking about every footfall. Where do I like how do I stand? How do I traverse this? I did not think a game would go that route. I certainly didn't think Kojima game would go that route. And then it does have that quapish, like, Oh, your body is so weird and awkward, but like, look at all the things it can do in this world. It's understandable though. I, I did some gameplay for our site and people were like, Oh, you just like were hopping around and like not falling. And I'm like, yeah, because I played the game for, for like days worth of time. Yeah. And after a while, like topology becomes something that you understand. It's just yeah. like if you were a hiker, like oh. I know how, or, or the rock climber, like you see rock climbers who have all the different ways to put their hands right in the crease that they need, all the techniques they need. And for them, what we look at as a sheer wall, they see as just like 
something completely approachable. And yeah. I think if you're playing Death Stranding new, not to compare playing a video game to rock climbing, but <laughs> <laughs> but when you first play it, you'll fall on your ass a lot. And by the end of it, it's like, you got it. By the end, you don't even need the... Um, you don't need to aid. scan. Yeah, you don't need to scan. Like, it tells you where you can put, safely use your, put your footing. Uh, but by the end, like, you, you realize all of the information you need is represented visually yep. in the game. Um, it's really, is, really impressive. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to see someone, like, I had fun with this game. I would really like to see the version of Death Stranding that is not made by Hideo Kojima. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would really like to see this as a direction for, like, the quote-unquote walking simulator Sort of a different go. way to approach open worlds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe not have it wedded to this really ponderous story. No, because about... we've, we've had it in bits and pieces. It's like, this yeah. is Proteus. It's just Proteus, except with a lot more nonsense. Yeah, but I like this nonsense. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I, I do love like the it. production values is the other problem it is I'm like, mm, this is like, what if, like, I've seen people talking about like, you know, actually it's kind of like an indie game, right? Because he's yes. independent now. It's absurd. It's very funny. I know. But, but the thing is, I get where people are coming from, which is the, this notion of like, what if an indie game just had like unlimited money behind it? Just the scale to do that sort of yeah. thing. Um, it touches upon those feelings, right? I understand uh, both why people would make those arguments and why people feel <laughs> sort of uncomfortable against yeah. those arguments. I say in my review, part of the myth of this game is that it's sprung from one scrappy right. developer who broke away, you know, broke away from Konami and now could finally do whatever he wanted unchained. But the reality is obviously this is a man with more money already than any of us will have with celebrity friends, with additional backing from Sony Entertainment. And so obviously this thing is not indie uh, in the traditional sense, but in terms of some of its gameplay sensibilities, uh, when it comes to eschewing what people might consider AAA um, conventions or, or, or common wisdom, then yeah, it breaks away from those things in certain ways. It embraces them in other times. Uh. But in the end, I don't think I expected to embrace uh, Death Stranding as much as I did. I Like, this was a game I was fully, I went in, in some ways maybe benefited from low expectations, but ultimately, like, I think I went in in an uncharitable frame of mind. I did. There was definitely a part of me that said, this is a game that's probably going to bite off more than it can chew, especially in terms of pleasing, like, public yeah. perception after years and years of hype. I didn't yeah. know how it was going to do it. In the end, I really liked it. Yeah, I think the thing I appreciated the most maybe is the degree to which it didn't – it was willing to not be what you expected from Hideo Kojima's next game. Yeah. And it was something really surprising um, just as a design and the things it was trying to say. And I ended up uh, – it, it is probably one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, it's Flaws are many. Uh, and but, glaring. Yeah. They're big. Yeah. But I enjoy the swings it does take. I I fully give in to its romanticism. I am an emotive person. Yeah. And I think I, I pray that I'm an empathetic person. So the notion of 
building things together with people, of forming some sort of relationships with people across the globe. To me, um, that's romantic. For other people, it might be quixotic. It might be like still romantic, but obviously kind of misplaced. But for me, it's like it resonated with my personal sensibilities in a way that I thought was very good. All right. Well, that will do it uh, for this spoiler cast on Death Stranding. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show and the discussion. I'm not sure exactly where in our extended holiday break this is going to fall. Uh, happy so holidays. Happy, yeah. happy holidays <laughs> or uh, good luck with your return to work. Uh, I'm not sure what, what is going on. Uh, but what I am sure of is that we are grateful to Too Mellow for the track Slide Asleep off the album After Midnight. You can find that at twomellowmakes.bandcamp.com. You can keep up with all of us at waypoint.vice.com. I'm Rob Zachney. You can find me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Kato, where can people find you? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. And Heather. You can read my work at kotaku.com. You can also find me on Twitter at, at transgamerthink. And please be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice if it allows such a thing. I like to think we're a five-star podcast, but it's not for me to say. Uh, we'll be back again with Waypoint Radio at some point, but again, a lot of that depends on when you're hearing this. So maybe we'll be back with some end-of-year pods. Time is an illusion. It is indeed. Uh, <laughs> but until then, bring me back my BB. My BB. My BB. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. <laughs> you know, Kato, I'm fragile, but uh, I'm not fragile. God damn it. <laughs> wow. Oh, perfect. I think we did okay. That was great. I'm good at it, but I'm not that good at it. Oh, I am, God. I am fragile. Fuck. But I'm not that fragile. Fuck. Oh, we can talk about it. Oh my god, he thinks that line is so good. He loves it. He's like, we both fragile. We both knew what the best line in the game was. Oh yeah, which is 100%. I brought you a metaphor. Listen, I'm. It seems like I'm mocking her right now. Yeah, I love Leia Sudo. Yeah, she's great. But also, boy, compared to, like, Mads just went for it, and I there's a very and I like fragile as a character in spite of a lot of the stuff the game does with fragile. Um, but there's definitely a sense that a, a few actors here or there were like, man, I don't understand the context of what's going on entirely. It's weird. It's no, it definitely was. Um, was it in your view where you say when, when Mads brings the goods, he brings oh, he's them? Oh, so like, good. Yeah. Cause like it was, it's one of those things where it's like, oh fuck, we got a movie star here. I'd watch that dude smoke a cigarette every second of my day if I could. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, hey internet. You ready to talk about Death Stranding?
You are listening to Waypoint Radio, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and today we are going to discuss and despoil Hideo Kojima's hiking and portage simulator. Nothing is off limits except discourtesy, so if you're still trying to remain unspoiled on this game, you probably want to skip this episode and go straight to the part where you rate us five stars in your podcast platform of choice, because <laughs> it's no spoiler that we're fantastic. Joining me today is Kotaku's fantastic Heather Alexandra. Hello, Robert. Is that your full name? Indeed it is. Well, hello then, Robert. Good guess, Rob. Yeah, you know, short for Robert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's what makes you such an insightful critic, and probably what enabled you to write my favorite review of Death yeah, Stranding. I have a really good uh, talent for guessing people's full names based on their nicknames, which are just shorter versions of their full names. Nail it every time. Yeah. Oh, he's probably <laughs> Samuel Porter Bridges. What do you think? Oh shit! Changes the whole game. We understand that it's his job, and then the corporation that he works for, right, to get right into the Death Stranding war. Sam. Okay. Hold on. Hold All right. on. Hold, hold on. on. Also, did you say potage? Yeah. What is? Like a potato or something. Port- port- yeah. Portage. Wait. Port. Oh, there's an R in there. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I was like, are you talking about a thick soup? What's going on? Is there soup in this game? <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, there is. Like, there's a thick, viscous, like, oily soup that springs from the ground, and uh, you become the marrow bone in its uh, stock. Yeah, you nailed that <laughs> Yeah, I really brought it in for a landing. Uh, I always deliver, just like Sam Porter Bridges. Oh, man, look at you. That was great. Uh, but, so, getting into the name thing... Uh, actually, let's back up. This game had a reputation for being weird. It's so out there and crazy. And I think the thing that surprised me the most about this game when I started playing it was how comprehensible it was relative to the discussion that had been around this game. Where did you, like, how did you end up reacting to this? I don't think it's that complicated of a story. I think the mechanics of the game are very straightforward. Um, to the point that people kind of reduce it very unfairly to certain things. Oh, you walk around, it's a walking simulator. Oh, you put things down and talk to players, it's a, it's a Souls-like. But even the story, um, the story itself is, hey, you know, yeah. those, those trailers had no, co- what's up? Uh, sorry, we have to start over because I was, I had the wrong mic turned on over here. I never used that mic. I fucked it up. It's all right. <laughs> no worries. No it's okay. worries. It's good right. to catch it now. Yeah. All right. Straight from the top. Yep. All right. You, you still got half of my stuff though, so we can. Uh, yeah, I can yeah. use some of it. Yeah, there's, there's solid gold there, Jerry. Solid gold. <laughs> Round right. team. Now you just have to be surprised and delighted by my spontaneity. 